Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. And a whole bunch of other motherfuckers. Like a battle royal. I stink. I'm going to be on and this you don't want to be at. This ain't no whole sweet home. It's a whole sweet misery. We knew where we got here. They try to pull us away. But when they see us walk down the street, they ran the other way. Sing it. We are here for a very special uh, silver and gold in your ear holes, ladies and gentlemen. We are again riding on the coattails of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. This week, bringing you. Well, it's not even this week. We're, I don't even know when I'm going to release this. Maybe I'll release it next year. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're doing a little. Uh, we're going to do a top ten list. Um, Vishnu's going to ruin it and uh, do it in alphabetical <laughs> order. But we just got a little group of people together here on Skype today, Daddy-O. We're doing some of our favorite films seen for the first time in the year of 2012. These would be films re- released before 2012. Um, does anybody have any movies from 2011 in this list? Yes. Yep. Yep, yep. No. I don't remember nope. if I do or not. Yeah, no. So we have with us today Vishnu. Howdy. We have Ghetto Tim. Hey, hey, hey. We have the Cinemasochist, Justin. Yeah, just oh. me. No, nobody else. We have <laughs> the Red Waffle, Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have TL Bug. Solid. We have Dr. Zom. What's up? And some asshole named Aloof. That would be me. All right, gentlemen, how are all of you, sir? We are we are breaking all sorts of time barriers here. We are we are talking to people from tomorrow, maybe even yesterday. If this stays together in one whole piece, I will be shocked and amazed. How is everybody doing? Dinner. Colder than a witch's tit here. Yeah. Damn, I'm doing. It's I'm been good. cold here too. It actually snowed here yesterday in North Carolina. And here, it's snowing. Yeah, here, but the best part about it was all the snow was white. Yeah, yeah. I hate those black snows. Yeah, uh, we've anyway. had some of the most brutal, cold snaps from Siberia. Comes right down, and I tell you, man, it just just like a cold thermometer straight up your hoop. <laughs> <laughs> it's always weird to me that it gets cold in Korea. That's just well, weird. It's, it's from Siberia. It just oh, all yeah. blows down, and it's it's dry cold. Like I say, it's just like a knife, man. It's he said blows down. Colder than a mother-in-law's love. Uh, my mom-in-law is quite sweet. All right. So um, we're not going to do a what you've been watching or anything, because that would take as long as the show. <laughs> so I figure maybe we'll do our 10 through 5, then we'll take a quick, quick break in case anybody needs to shit or get some Pepto. 
Somebody like me needs to wank it still because yes, I didn't get time still, to do it. Justin needs to still rub one out. Um, yeah. I hate you, Dad. So we did a pre- <laughs> 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 rub <it> out, <laughs> Dad. I think you're doing it now. <laughs> <sighs> so um, we uh, we we drew for the rumble beforehand, and um, the first entry tonight will be Vishnu, who I said will ruin our list and not give you his number ten. But he's going in alphabetical order. So, what I'll is your? Change it. No, I've got a number one. My number one is definitive. The rest okay. is alphabetical. Okay, let's go alphabetical. Vicious hypothetical <laughs> alphabetical number ten is the conformist. The by, con- uh, Mr. Bertolucci there, all yes. classy in your ass. Good one. I have not seen that movie. Uh, I it's one of those. I had the DVD. I don't know for how long sitting in the shrink wrap on the two watch pile for ages. And finally last year, I cracked that seal because I missed it. It was playing here in 35, and I, like a ponce, didn't go. I cracked open that DVD, and it's absolutely gorgeous as a film. Mm-hmm. Anybody else seen that one? I have I seen have that. My name is Zom. Never even heard of it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's about the hitman, but it's not really a gangster flick at all. It's, um, how the fuck do you describe it? It's a... It's, the chat, the main chap is, is it's in terms of style and visuals. It's one of these films where you can sort of stop it at any time and t- grab any frame and probably stick it up as a poster because everything, every shot is stunning. Um, so, I mean, the story for what it is is essentially a chap who he he's a conformist. He wants to belong, so he has, and he works for uh, seven fascist visual Italy, and his job is essentially to go and assassinate one of his old uh, university professors and just about what happens on the way there. Um, there is, It's really just one of these when you sit down and you just soak in all the visuals. There is some fantastic um, gunplay in the snow. There's some wonderful lesbian dancing. Yeah. It's all classy too, yeah. And there's subtitles, so you know, you, you look impressive even though you're just looking Who directed it, it Sorry, what? Who directed it's a, it? Uh, Bernardo Bertolucci. Ah, right, right, okay. So, you know, he... It's one of these ones. It was never on DVD for forever and a day. Um, then it got put out on DVD. I want to say three years ago. Um, after because it came out from what's oh bollocks. I want to say nineteen seventy one. I'm gonna have to look that up really quickly because I'm terrible at this game. Um, <laughs> it's just got a, um, a really nice Blu-ray from Arrow out of the UK. If you can do Region Blue, uh, Region B stuff. Um, but it's it's just one of these films that if you want to show off your set, if you want to just sort of, like I said, it's the visuals just sort of pull you in. It's, it's reeks of styles, you know. The only Bertolucci, the, the only Bertolucci I've still seen is Last Tango in Paris, so I guess I need to change that. Well, even with that one, I mean, you know, you got old chubby there, but you can still see the, the sort of the style of the eyes. <laughs> oh, you can see all right. Old buttercock. You can see a lot, old Marlin. <sighs> Alrighty, so uh, Tim, Ghetto Tim, what is your number ten? Well, my number ten, I'm going back in the vaults. Uh, it's a film called Out of the Past from 1947, uh, Jacques Tournay. It's uh, starring uh, the Mitchum, Robert Mitchum, yeah. Robert Mitchum, Jane Greer, and Kirk Douglas. It's uh, it's a noir that I've been meaning to get at for a long time. I um, again, like Vish was saying, I had it uh, wrapped on the stack. And uh, Tournaire is a real uh, interesting guy because he's directed such a wide range of films. I mean, like, most people know him for, like, Cat People and Night of the Demon, I Walk with a Zombie. But 
he also directed a lot of amazing uh, western spy slash uh, noir uh, pieces. Mm-hmm. This, this is no exception. I mean, Mitchum is just so fucking suave in this man. Like he's just amazing. Early Mitchum. I mean, Mitchum was one of those guys. The older he got, the cooler he got. You know, mm-hmm. but. But when you see young Mitchum in this, he's just incredible. He's like playing this private eye who basically is trying to, you know, get out of the big city. And he's trying to basically change his life and go incognito and run a gas station. And then all this shit kind of pulls him back in. And it's kind of like that famous, you know, that famous line or that famous kind of trope in film where, you know, they say, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. You know, it's that kind of that kind of thing. But I, I really love this film, man. And it's really, I mean, there's a lot of people that have a hard time with uh, the noir genre, you know. And uh, most people see, like, Maltese Falcon or something like that or Casablanca. And they say, okay, I've had my fill. But this is something to really dig into, man. This is a really, really neat little film. There's enough twists and turns, and it's really solid. Very nice. Anyone want to add? Mitch, no, uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I, do, I do want to check it out now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the cover's cool. Mitchum, oh. Mitchum has that sig hanging off his lip. Well, Tournier, and you know, he's just got this kind of uh, style that you know, in Cat People, I mean, when you saw like the shadows on the walls and everything, you know, that the really kind of uh, things that he's known for for his horror films. I mean, he kind of incorporates a lot of that into his other films. I mean, just the style and. He's a real, real moody director, and I mean, it, it, some of the cinematography in this is just really neat. The way he sets things up, there, there almost there's points in the film where it's almost more like snapshots Very nice. instead of, instead of actual film. It's neat. Cool, Justin, your number ten, All sir. Ready. My number ten is Memories of Murder, a 2003 oh, film yeah. by oh. Bong Joon Ho. Uh, it takes place in South, South Korea. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, Jakey Poo, Jake McLarchu, your podcast with Landing Manny. This is one of the many DVDs he got me for my Kringle, and I believe he's actually covering it shortly. Um, yeah, I mean, this is excellent. Uh, it's, you know, set uh, when a, an investigation to South Korea is one of their first serial killers in 1986 uh, who targets women, and it's interesting because he only seems to attack when it's storming out and when a certain song plays on the radio. But it's really interesting watching this unravel and how it plays on the detectives. It has a very nice, kind of like a good dark sense of humor, but not without, it doesn't really ever interfere with the human characteristics. Like it doesn't undermine anybody. Right. Um, and I actually do, it, it, might, it kind of sound cruel now, but I kind of, I, I got a kick out of the way uh, they incorporated the, uh, the, the, slight, uh, the mentally challenged kid into the whole thing. It sounds cruel to say that made me laugh, but... It, it, it plays <laughs> off. <laughs> it's not me, I promise. Yeah. So uh, I can tell. I can see who's flashing. Kang Ho Song does an awesome uh, uh, drop kick down a hill in that movie too. Oh, he does. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and the nice thing is, it's uh, an hour. Uh, an hour. Uh, it's two hours and about twelve minutes. It's a little over two hours, but it goes extremely quick. It's a bit near the end where you know kind of just it might just be me where it's kind of like you can start to feel its length but i mean mm-hmm, overall mm-hmm. this is an excellent film and i was glad that jake gave it to me and i was glad he demanded that i watched it first nice. 
Anyone want to add to that one? I was going to say that's, I think, one of my favorite South Korean films. But yeah. that's the one I always sort of, when I'm trying to sell it to people, I sort of sell it to them as, think of it as almost like a Korean Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah this, for sure. The way they break down the procedural. Um, and it's, I think it's a very pretty film. It's an, you know, just for some reason when people talk about Korean films, they never seem to mention that one. I don't know if it came a bit too early to sort of miss the, the wave that old boy and that created. But I, I think it's a fantastic movie. Actually, I think uh, Old Boy came out maybe right around the same time, and that might be why, because yeah. it might have taken – I believe that was 2003, 2004 when it yeah. became big, and they could have easily taken all of the love that Memories of Murder was going to get and took it. Actually, nah. this, this is based on a true story, and I, yeah. I was here when it was all going down in the southern provinces, and, and it was – they, they never, yeah, they never got. Oh, until now, thanks, asshole. <laughs> yeah, but I mean that film though. I, one thing that people kind of overlook is the the whole film too in Korea from the Korean perspective is it, it's a real scathing kind of uh, you know uh, take on the ineptitude of the police. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a real scathing uh, kind of you know uh, comment about how they dropped the ball and how there's a joke that they tell in that film about the bear when they're talking about uh, going into the into the forest and then afterwards the bear comes out and says I did it you know like they'll they'll go and try to find anybody yeah you know and that's that's what the film gets into and I mean that's what you know you know for I mean for anybody outside of Korea. It's just a standard, like like Vish said, you know, like a Korean Zodiac. But for people in Korea, it was kind of a real shame that all these things happened and that the police were just basically picking their ass and stalling, and then they just went out and tried to grab whoever they could find, you know, to pin it on. Right. And uh, I do want to uh, say one thing, Tim. Uh, your cover's not blown, though, because I don't think the 23 wrestlers are going to report you to the police. <laughs> right. So you're Fair good. Enough. I'm good. Awesome. Paul, you're number 10. Django. Yes. Yeah. Here we go. Now, yep, just, I, um... a, just a little pre, a prelude here. Paul's top 10 is like, uh, I've said it a couple times on the on Facebook, that his top 10 is going to be like the, uh, the the start of one of those guides of essential films. Like, this guy, this guy hit some some high notes this year, so... Oh yeah, um, definitely. Well, uh, what it were, I bought a um, an Ackable multi-region blue, and um, ah. until I'd started, um, not I hadn't seen it until I'd heard it mentioned, like on the boards and what have you, when I first started the groups, and it, it was the first one I bought from the states. It's it's just now been released over here on um, Blu-ray. But yeah, what can you say? It's Franco Nero carrying a coffin. With oh, yeah. guns in it, shooting bad guys. You just can't go wrong, can you, really? Um, by Corbucci as well. Well, you can if you stuff. try to remake the thing. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, the great silence that was in my top 30. We've got to do a top 30. I think that was around 19 in my top 30. Yeah, it's just a fantastic film. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not really um, an expert on spaghetti westerns or anything like that, so it was... It's kind of a um, a gateway viewing into spaghetti westerns, and certainly makes me want to watch more. I mean, I've got the uh, Dollars trilogy, and what nice. but other than them, I've um, I've not um, seen any other spaghetti, so I'll definitely be checking some more out this year for sure. Right on. 
Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it is a good introduction to spaghetti westerns. It's kind of like the marijuana of spaghetti westerns. The gateway drug. Easy. Easy. I rewatched it back in uh, November to, you know, pump myself up for Django Unchained. It it really holds up so fucking well. Yeah. yeah. So, so what you're telling us, uh, what you're telling us, Justin, is that in a couple of months, Paul will be on the corner going, "Hey, man, did did you get my Corbucci yet?" Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Just a little sabata, just to cut it, man. I I, I need my Corbucci. Come on. <laughs> Not enough Corbucci. Enough so. for you, sir. Anyone else want to add to that one? The only thing I want to add is uh, I haven't because I've seen that one and obviously Django and Chain, but there's a, a, most of like the the Django, I guess you could say knockoffs, the ones that they did eventually. Right. Uh, eventually, I haven't seen many of those, if any. So I really well, there, need to there is a them. there is a, a sequel in the '80s. I don't I don't I don't know if Corbucci directed it, but Nero's actually in it. I think it was like '86, '87. Yeah. So I've not seen that one. If, if you had a dollar, if you had a dollar for every film with the word Django in oh, it, yeah, man. yeah, <laughs> that's 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 the reason I haven't. Uh, dug into a whole lot. I was going to dig into a couple before Django Unchained, but I got sidetracked. Does anybody know what the word means? Because I was watching an interview with Christoph Waltz not long back on British TV, where they were they were doing like a segment on Django Unchained, and they were saying in Europe, and I've never heard this, but when he was growing up, Django was a term they used to describe somebody who was really cool because of this film. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought it was just a name. I know there's a, I know Django Reinhardt, who's a really fantastic uh, gypsy guitar player. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. if you're into if you're into sort of uh, sort of uh, acoustic guitar playing, Django Reinhardt's kind of badass. Um, and he's, but uh, I don't think it was. I thought it was just a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I think it is. Like I said, he said it after this film had been released. Like him and his, that's the they say. Oh, he sold Django. I mean, I don't know if he was playing it up just for the interview's sake. Did we but... just lose somebody? Nope. Uh, Ross just came on. Yeah, I'm trying to get John Ross on. Okay, yeah. so you did get oh, nice. But yeah, but you know, you know, I was just thinking though, like the name Django it sounds like a cool name to begin with. But imagine if you know they'd called him Wally. <laughs> Wally, Wally, you know, and then years later, you know, years later, Tarantino comes out with a film, Wally Unchained. You know, it's like, Wally, just look at Wally. Look at some random internet stuff real quick here. the The meaning of the name Django is "I awake." Jeez. I awake. I awake. Wally's been alone. That's kind of ironic because he's carrying a coffin. You know, he's, he says, I'm awake, but soon I won't be, you know, like. Man. Nice. I, I got to say, man, I've had that. I put that uh, theme song on my uh, iPod, and I, I've just been listening to that on repeat like the past few weeks now. <laughs> yeah, around work going, Django. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I always right. kind of want to get my a, a new dog just so I can call it Django, but then everybody probably misconstrued it racist nowadays. Oh, well, you know. I don't. Uh, hey, uh, loaf. Um, that wasn't me. No, I no, no, no. Try to friend request uh, the knife licker again. I did. But just try to get. He <laughs> say he doesn't see it. Hmm. Okay. Um, Bug, why don't you go ahead with your number ten? All right. Well, my number ten is from 2010. Uh, it's a film by Luc Besson called "The Extraordinary Adventures of Adele Blank Sec." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just gagged his arm. Well, <laughs> I, uh, now, now, it wasn't the first time. 
Um, they'll find oh, something like what? me. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this film. It's it's based off a French comic. It's she's kind of like a uh, Indiana Jones type of character, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was just really fun. I mean, it was a good, fun movie, visually very appealing. Uh, set in the early twentieth century, and and so you kind of had that Victorian kind of motif and uh, adventure and whatnot. And I really just enjoy it. Uh, how did you hear about the film? I've never heard of that film. Um, I, I believe I just ran across the title somewhere on some place that I got it from. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Place <laughs> like a video store? Uh, yeah, like, like a video store, but <laughs> different and not a store and on the internet. Um, uh, but uh, I just happened to run across the title and... All right, we're back. I uh, had a little technical glitch. Uh, so, Zach, you said you came across the title. Yes, I, I, I came across the title, and then I cleaned it up. And, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then it, it, sat, it sat on my computer for probably a year before I, I watched it. But then uh, once I did, I was, I don't know, it was just a, a lot of fun. It's, yeah. it's kind of like Night of the Museum for smart people. What's this? <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and I, also in our little uh, pause there, we have added uh, the knife licker himself. Uh, uh, do you have a? Do you have a? You want to go by Lotep? Is that your internet handle? Uh, I think knife licker surpassed. All right, knife, Lotep. The knife but, licker, uh, John. Whatever, it's fine. All right, so John, we've added you, and uh, we're putting you on the hot seat already. We're going to ask what your number ten first viewed movie of twenty twelve was. Master Commander: The Far Side of the World. Nice. Yes. Uh, Peter Weir, man. I had never seen it. I've been meaning to for years. I, uh, first time I tried to watch it, I had like a rip, you know, from the net, some mm-hmm. divix or whatever. And it, uh, I really wanted to watch it and put it in. And it was just horrible. The pixelization with all the, the fog and stuff at the beginning of the movie. I, so I turned it off. I'm like, I'll get back to it. I'll go rent it. And I never did until this year. And, uh, that movie is out fucking standing, man. I wish it would have been a whole series, but uh, weren't they supposed to make a whole series of that based on the books? Yeah, yeah, there is a whole series of books, but I don't think it did well enough, or yeah, I don't it, know. It just blow up as big at the box office as they were hoping, it's and it was really a... expensive to make because it's yeah. like no CGI Ooh. there. They built real ships. Yeah, and... we made all those ships and blew them up with cannons, didn't they? Yeah, it's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, so it's a pretty outstanding movie. I still need to get off my ass and see it. Actually, I've only seen bits and pieces. It's such a macho film, too. But in the like, oh. not in a douchebag way. It's in just like an old school. I'm gonna be a real man kind of way. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's the old gold way. Yeah, brothership <laughs> movie too. It's a real a buddy movie uh, between Russell Crowe and. Uh, uh, Is it Paul Bettany? It's, it's Paul Bettany. Okay, I always so get him like confused a, with Rissa fans or whatever. Yeah, so Paul like Bettany. A, so it's like a buddy and cop film on a boat, and he's master and he's commander, right? You know, you know, they're on a, a fucking ship like that for all that time. The, the, they did not explore. They should have the called it pit, pitcher and catcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me there wasn't anything going on with those cannons and balls. That's what the cabin, cabin oh. boys. Oh, you get that many seamen together. Like Chris yeah. Elliott should have been on there as cum boy. Cum boy. Ever been to see Billy? See what, Captain Heingrader? <laughs> There's this shot at uh, at the beginning of the movie when they're walking and they're just going through the ship and they go under 
under deck and you see all these big swinging sacks and uh yeah what the hell what the hell is that and then you realize it's just full of people sleeping in these little sacks off the roof like little bunks i guess hanging swinging around i thought it was like vegetables or something at first sacks yeah i don't know it's pretty pretty awesome movie so sacks full of semen you were saying sacks full of semen all through that movie (laughs) They they had to empty every single one of them yeah. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! All right, Zom. Empty all the sacks of semen. Zom, what's your number 10? My number 10 is S&M Hunter. Yes. 1986. Oh, yeah. I this and I um, <coughs> this to uh, Dylan and Christine. Um, apparently, well, I was going to make a comment about something, but I'm not going to. Anyway, uh, I just found this to be... Uh, very enjoyable, very, uh, uh, quite hilarious. Um, my top ten, I, I, when I was looking at all all the movies, I s- kind of looked at it like, okay, which ones of these did I want to watch? As soon as I got done, did I want to watch again, or did I watch like more than once? And um, S and M Hunter, I learned some new tricks. He uh, <laughs> is sort of a, a, a new hero to me. I thought I just I thought this was hilarious. You're going to go with S&M Hunter at the next Warham weekend, aren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah. Is he's, this a pinky He's film? practicing his lassoing now. This came in the uh, in the infamous box of porn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, right. yeah. But, uh, Suki Katauko and uh, start Shiro Shimamoto. <laughs> Dig it. And I'm going to... And I'm going to touch upon that box of porn. Uh, you promised me that you would review the pornos each week. Seen by I haven't seen. even fucking watched the pornos. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know what? It's easier to go on the internet than get up, put a DVD in the DVD player. And, you know, Damn, right. Damn right. I don't, like, I don't like whacking off in my living room. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know. It just seems weird. <laughs> I'm always just scared the neighbors can see. But no, it's just like I'm so used to, to to cranking one out in my computer chair that the next time like I, I, I get a chick, she's going to have to fuck me in my computer chair. Able <laughs> <laughs> to get it up, she doesn't. She'll ask you to come on her face, and then you won't be able to do it. Yeah, <laughs> only if only if she's on the rag. After ugh, after everybody's uh, classy a classy top ten uh, or number ten, Zom and I are bringing it way down. And I, my uh, my number ten is is 1975's Dolomite. Now this one caught me completely by surprise. I've seen a lot of uh, black exploitation films, and for some reason, just never watched this one. I don't know why, but man, the the ineptitude of it, the, it was just it was funny. Uh, it's just I loved uh, I loved the how like enthusiastic um, <laughs> Rudy Ray Moore is just about the character in general. It's it's really good. Um, I enjoyed yeah. his clothing. His, oh yeah, I, I, I would like. I'd like to. Un, when they, you know, came out of prison, he had a, a, a oh, yeah. costume change. He 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 went through so many different costume changes. It was phenomenal. He has like underwear like pulled up above his like almost to his chest when he's when he just changed his clothes <laughs> right out. And and his clothes look like they were made out of like my mom's drapes. <laughs> and, by, and by my mom's drapes, I don't mean something sexual. Meat tarp. Burr. Now, now this uh, film. 
this film brings me good memories because uh, when I was back in university on my answering machine, I used to have that line, you best move and let me pass. My hush puppies be sticking out of your motherfucking ass. Right? <laughs> so, I had a, so I had a professor call me about an essay that I was handing in and I was nice. for extension. And the guy calls up and he gets the answering machine and all I hear is, wait, was that Dolomite? <laughs> oh, nice. oh, awesome. All right. Uh, 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 did you guys ever hear that they were going to remake this in 2001 with uh, LL Cool J as Dolomite? Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that got canceled. Wahlberg. I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah. Wahlberg and Blackface would have been better. Yeah. I'm still saying when they remake Death Wish, I'll probably put Mark Wahlberg in Brownson's role and just yeah. make him younger. Oh, I, I just oh, had this no. feeling. I can't shake it. Liam Neeson's going to be the new Death Wish for sure. I, that I could get behind now. I could watch that. That would be solid. I can't shake this feeling they're going to do Wahlberg. Why? It's just like Zom's favorite movie. Yeah. Um, so, like, all right. We're looping back around. We're looping back around. I miss Rudy. Man, I miss him. Him and Red Fox were the two guys that, you know, were doing the whole circuit, the comedy circuit, the rude, the rude uh, rap oh, yeah. for anybody. Yeah, I liked I liked uh, I liked Red Fox a lot. I wish he acted more than he did. So, yeah. Um, all right, we're looping back around. Uh, Vish, we're gonna do your uh, second film that you choose to share with us today. <laughs> that will be <laughs> everybody else's so, Um So you know, calling back to Mister Knife Licker's uh, sacks full of semen. There, my number, my <laughs> the second film I'm talking about is Cruising. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was just one again. I. You know, always known about, never seen, and it. Um, I've, I'm getting a the American Netflix because of, of a hack I use, and uh, it popped up on the what? list. And it's like, ooh. So <laughs> after hearing about this damn film for so long, and finally check, and I mean, I checked it out partly out of morbid curiosity, but it's just a really bloody good film. I mean, yeah. it's. I'm not 100 percent behind the ending, shall we say? But oh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's fuck. Oh, oh good oh, lord, oh. that movie. It doesn't seem like an accurate representation of the gay leather club bars, Vish. Um, <laughs> well, I always find I use, you know, a, 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 I actually know if my, a fair amount of leather daddies when I think about it that way. Um, nice. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm sure too is a better representation of the gay. No. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm fat and hairy, so if I'm gonna make, if I if I decide I'm gonna give up on women, I'm gonna be a bear. So it's it's it's. Oh, you're not gonna be a bear. You are a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's an otter. Yeah, I'm the otter. Yeah. I I like the. I, I thought it was. I mean, as in terms of uh, representation, I was actually surprised how how kind it was to in some elements the way they had like uh you know characters for a film back in the day that had sort of you know that representation of homosexual characters that were not one note and not just sort of these campy mm-hmm. characters you know it was kind of neat and and then granted there's the scene of like the the the, the dude with a cowboy hat in the in the interrogation room <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah i uh i recently bought this uh soundtrack on vinyl which i shared oh. multiple times on our facebook group so it's 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 in great condition. Like people are selling that shit for like eighty bucks on Amazon. I found it for like Jesus. twelve on eBay. So, nice. and I'm just... waiting for them to come up with the cruising box. You know, the limited edition box with the little leather hat oh, and handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so have anyone? Pissed. Sorry, have, have you guys heard the new documentary out by uh, what's it, James Franco? Um, yeah, uh, the Harrier uh, Leather Bar. Recreating uh, yeah. some of the missing scenes. Apparently, yeah. I um I know yeah. um. 
<laughs> they played at Sundance, and uh, I think the Brin saw it. But uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's funny. I don't. I mean, Franco was kind of odd. I, I'd like to see. Franco I'd like to see that. Odd. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I'm just pissed at myself because I had it in my queue, and I just for some reason kept pushing it off, and it looks like it's not on instant anymore. Or something. Oh, it's not there anymore. Oh, I don't shame. think so. I can look again. Either way, I'm just gonna go buy a copy. I gotta get. Pretty sure you can get the DVD for like you know yeah. under ten bucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. So I'm just gonna have to watch it because I'm mad at myself now. All right, get a, get a Tim. We're gonna we're gonna keep moving on because we'll be talking for four hours. <laughs> uh, get a Tim. You're uh, you're number nine. All right. Uh, well, uh, just to uh, keep up the high class here, uh, my number nine. It's kind of a funny thing. I uh, years and years ago, there was a film that was playing at the Blur Cinema in Toronto that I really wanted to see. But unfortunately, uh, I was uh, on a date that night, and there was no way in hell I was going to take uh, the girl I was with to see this film, and that's called uh, Sick, uh, The Life and Times of Oslo. Uh, yikes. <laughs> Great movie. That'd be a good date movie. <laughs> yeah, we should have taken her. Oh, geez. This is, uh, this is an incredible film. I mean, it's, uh, it's a documentary about a man named Bob Flanagan, and... I think if any of you uh, were into Nine Inch Nails back in the 90s, you've seen Bob. There was a uh-huh. video, Happiness and Slavery, mm-hmm. where he gets, he gets dismantled in a machine. But uh, the true story of Bob is that he was born with cystic fibrosis, and his whole life he had to battle with it. And basically it's where you, you build up you know, mucus in your lungs, where you, you, know, you basically drown in snot. And... Uh, what he did was he actually learned to take his uh, his sexual preference of sadomasochism and use it to actually combat his cystic fibrosis, right, which is incredible. Yeah. So he built up this huge tolerance to pain, even to the point of in the film. And this is, an, this is a total silver and gold film, man. Like, you know, if there was ever a film meant for silver and gold, this is it. Because, oh. I mean, the highlight of the film is basically – he nails his his copper of love. Yeah. Oh God! I, I watched this uh, when we did. Um, Zam and I reviewed uh, what was the one? The the let's see, it was Rubber's Lover and uh, Tetsuo of the Iron Man. And right around that time, I think I watched Sick as well. Um, I saw it, so I saw it for the first time too. And it's it's rough. I mean, it's basically just a you know, it's a movie about not. I mean, it, you know, his sexual. Uh, preferences, his um, performing art, as well as just you're watching him die. So right, and it's touching. It's touching, yeah. man. It's not. It's not so much exploitative. It's. It's really about this guy who became a survivor, and he used what he loved to kind of overcome until the end. And I mean, it's so sad. Like you're right. You see him right when he's dying. He's yeah. laying in this hospital bed with his mistress beside him, oh, holding his God. hand, like his, his partner. And she's just whispering to him, and you see him with the mask on, and you see him slowly fading out, and it really, it really chokes you up. I mean, you know, and everybody says, well, you know, that's an amazing thing when you when you get a documentary about a fucking masochist who's nailing his cock with and it actually touches your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, How does that work? kind of movie. Oh yeah, it's, but it's uh, just... it is funny you bring that up because uh, the oily maniac actually. Uh, the other day he was talking because I had uh, watched So Undercover starring Miley Cyrus because I hate myself. Jesus. And he said, you are the Bob Flanagan of film criticism. And I take that as the greatest compliment there that I've go. ever gotten. Well, why don't, we, why don't we roll into your number nine, uh, Justin? All right. My number nine, I'm not going to harp on too much because I'm pretty sure everybody knows about this. That is Angel Heart starring Mickey Rourke. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had owned yes. this for years. I kept meaning to watch it. And actually on Halloween I said, Fuck it, I'm watching it, and it blew me away. That ending 
the reveal. Holy shit! Did he did he eat lots of hard boiled uh, eggs after you watched it? Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> if I would have done it, I would have done it during it. Ugh, I hate eggs. I haven't seen that movie. Oh no! The eggs are simple for the soul. Ugh, God, eggs are fucking repulsive, man. That's, yeah, well, that's, that's the that one? is the, the living embodiment of a fart. Like if if like if well, if shit didn't exist, I would believe that egg was shit. Bobby well. De Niro eats quite a few in uh, Angel Heart. <laughs> and again, that's coming from a guy who yeah. eats cur- like milk that's been cock, lots of cock, cheese, mm, cheese. Um, uh, I eat cheese and I eat eggs. You gotta. <laughs> Yeah, I, haven't, I, haven't, I, I need to see that. I, I, maybe that'll be on my uh, 2013 list. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, Alan Parker, uh, isn't it? No. That's the chick from uh, The Cosby Show, right? Doing the yeah, chick. If anybody can get a hold, it's hard to get a hold of the novel. It's called Fallen Angel. Uh, the novel is actually even better than the movie. Well, you got to read it. I, I really love it. <laughs> yeah, you got to read it. You got to read it, unfortunately. <laughs> I can read it to you, though, Tom. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh. DL's audiobooks? I would, I would get those. <laughs> DL's bedtime stories. <laughs> is it Alan Parker? Is he the director of Angel Heart? Who's yeah. The- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. Alan, right. I love this stuff. Oh, man, it's getting dark in here. Uh, I have to pick up my piece of paper. Paul, you're number nine. Uh, my tires. What was what? that? Anyway, my I'm, tires. I don't know what that is. My tires, the French movie. The Harder. Movie. Martyrs. Martyrs. Yeah. Oh. Martyrs. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's an awesome movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'd actually I bought it on DVD DVD about five years ago, and then I never got round to watching it, and I I had to because I had a massive mobile phone bill through data roaming charging when I went over to Germany. I had to basically sell off half my DVD collection, and that was one that went in. So. Anyway, I got some gift vouchers last year for my birthday, and I thought I really wanted to watch that. I'd heard people go on about it, so I went out and bought it on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's just fantastic. It's one of the best horror movies of, of the last twenty years, easily. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, man. hands do down, you, that's a fantastic. Do you have a preference to the first half versus the second half? Because I know it kind of splits people. I preferred the first half. Okay. Anybody else? Paul. Did you yeah. watch that with your missus, or did you watch that on your own? Just curious. On my own. On my own. Yeah. I made my missus oh, watch yeah. that. That's all. But, <laughs> but I think I think Martyrs is an important film, though, because I think for a lot of people that aren't even into horror, if they can really kind of get the whole message of what the film is about, it's a it's a well shot and just a mind blowing film. I mean, yeah, it's extreme. But I mean, it's well made, though, isn't it? That's the thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's just the cinematography in it, the soundtrack, all of it. It's just, it's just an incredible film. Yeah. Like it a lot. All right. Uh, let's see. Bug, back to you. Number nine. Well, uh, if uh, Vishnu is going to be the bear and Justin's going to be the <laughs> otter, then I'm going to be the trap. And that's the name <laughs> of my movie. Uh, 1985's The Trap, uh, La Gabbia. Um, it's an Italian movie written by Lucio Fulci, and it's kind of a precursor to uh, Fatal Attraction. It's same same kind of plot a couple of years earlier, where uh, a couple of ladies are uh, obsessed with uh, t- Tony Masante for some reason. Uh, Tony Mustaine, you mean? Who yeah, directed whatever. that? Um, <laughs> Fulci. Oh, no. it's Fulci? Okay. No, he wrote it. Uh, Giuseppe Griffey. Okay, I don't know. 
I work with a dude named Giuseppe, and he's Puerto Rican. I was, I was, I was very disappointed to find out he's not Italian. <laughs> I was disappointed to find out you weren't working with the director of the film. I thought that was just a reveal. Yeah, he's dead. All right. But that's pretty good stuff. I mean, uh, Lauren DeBalkin plays his wife. Uh, Laura Laura Antonelli plays uh, the girl that's obsessed with him. And uh, it's pretty dark, good stuff. How's the uh, Morricone soundtrack on it? It's pretty good. I mean, it's one of his more experimental soundtracks. Um, which which I appreciated. Uh, it's definitely more atmospheric than, say, just a straight-up soundtrack. Cool. All right, moving on. Uh, back to Knife Liquor. What's your number nine? My number nine is Steel Justice. <laughs> nice. Yes! yes. Bobby yes. oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, too, got Netflix America this year. (laughs) (laughs) And I was catching up on some old movies I always wanted to see. I remember being obsessed with Steel Justice, the newspaper clipping for the movie when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. uh, You know, I used to stare, go through uh, the newspaper every day and look at the movies coming out. Or Thursdays or Fridays were the big day for the movie posters. And, uh... Uh, this right around this time was obviously the big Vietnam vet. He was the equivalent. The Vietnam vet was the equivalent of the special forces guy now, right? Back then, mm-hmm. movies where they either go back to Vietnam or they use their skills they learned in Vietnam to fight crime. And uh, Steel Justice, just I was like, I was obsessed with those type of movies, and I wanted to see it so bad. I'm like, look at the cover. It's the guy <laughs> from Gagney and Lazy and the Karate Kid <laughs> with. With like camo and, and aviators, and he's pointing a gun. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it says something about the movie that watching it thirty-five years later, it didn't disappoint. Nice. Yeah. I bought that for like fifty cents on VHS at a bookstore last or the year before last. So. Well, I was watching it about three in the morning, um, in my living room on a Saturday. Uh, and to see him going down on that hovercraft, the beginning with the snake wrapped around <laughs> his, his uh, neck, I stood up and clapped. I was like, yes! This is exactly what I wanted! <laughs> so there's something about something living up to expectations. That right, right. Pretty high up on, well, number eight on my list. Court, you mean number nine? Uh, number nine. Uh-oh, you didn't read number eight, did you? <laughs> I did not. Zom, just... what's, your, what's your number nine, sir? Uh, my number nine was uh, the Sword of Doom, nineteen sixty-six. I've never seen this. Uh, it's on Criterion Collection. Um, nice. Beautiful movie. Uh, black and stark black and white, uh, but um, just totally different uh, than what I th- I had expected. Uh, this kind of I don't know if I'd say he was a psychopath, but uh, he certainly was an odd samurai who uh, was very good at what he did. And um, he uh, was a honey badger. Uh, he didn't give a shit. And he made a lot of, uh, a lot of, enemy, a lot of enemas along the way. But, uh, yeah, this is just a really fucking awesome movie. Is that the one that uh, opens with the, uh, the old dude that gets killed? They're, like, on the mountaintop and the woman yeah. finds fi- – okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. That has maybe one of my favorite cinematic duels when they're, they're facing off against each other and that's supposed to be a contest. And everyone's like, no, it's not a contest. This is real. They're just using wooden, like, kendo swords, but yeah. he's still... And he just, like, mashes that dude up. Oh, it's fan-fucking-tastic. 
I think they stole. They must have stole that from uh, our, our Marvel Comics uh, when Wolverine was facing off against Mariko Yoshida's <laughs> father. Oh yeah! <laughs> but they didn't realize that it was really he. Was, the strikes that he was using against Wolverine were deadly. <laughs> <laughs> Cleek, cleek, cleek. I I remember that. <laughs> see, there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. My number nine. Um, it's a film from 1954, going way back, and this is a little classier than Dolomite. Uh, directed by Federico Fellini. Um, this is La Strada. Yes. Um, this is, you know, like a couple of you guys had said already, this is one of those uh, DVDs that I'd had around for literally years and never for some reason finished. So um, this is uh, Julieta uh, Messina and Anthony Quinn, and it's a really touching story. I really like the way it ends, and um, uh, it was good. I, it was, it was, you know, I, I, I guess judging by the cover, it, it was always never, it was never what I expected it to be, so... I guess you guys have seen. I have one where I, uh, when I was watching it, I I had said that uh, the entire time I was just like almost yelling at the screen for Anthony Quinn. I just wanted to slap him across the face and say, "You stupid fucker!" You know, you have this woman here who's just fantastic, who who loves you, and you're a. He's such a piece of shit to her the whole time, and that's yeah. I think that's why I like the the way the way it ends. I mean, it's 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 a sad ending, but. You know, fuck you, Dad. Because he was a piece of shit. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> typical woman. Guy's a piece of shit, and you know she's fucking in love with him. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm you watching. How they are. I've, I've, I've almost done with it, but I've been watching Rust and Bone. I'm getting a very similar kind of feeling from that too. So I've heard that's pretty bad. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. it's it's. I don't know what to. I don't know what to think of it. I need to see how it ends. So. I will watch Marion Cotillard do anything though. Good it's lord. True. Yeah. Is she yeah. naked at all, even without her legs? She does. She does. <laughs> she does show the tits a few times. Really. The one thing about yeah. Lestrada yeah. is, though, if you look at it this way, maybe Anthony Quinn was just. He just knew that if he treated her like shit, that he, you know, he was using <laughs> reverse psychology. He's a genius. He was a genius. <laughs> He knew what he was doing. All he right. was a real man. We're going to loop back around again. And uh, Vish, what is your third film? Uh, so this one is one of those, uh, almost like my, it's a shame as a horror nerd that I haven't seen it. Um, it was The Fog by Mr. John Carpenter. Ooh. Oh, wow. oh, nice. And again, it was, I mean, this year I tried to do a tear, again, partly because I had the, the, the American Netflix. There were a lot of a nice old catalog titles. and just trying to pick up some of those things I was missing from the canon. And... I don't know why. For years, I just figured I wouldn't dig this film. I figured, no, what's this? Some, some fog. How fucking good can this movie be? And it's like, <laughs> Tom fucking Atkins just, you know, growing chest hair on me as I watch him because he's so badass. And, Getting yeah, more berry as he watched the movie. Yeah. Oh, good lord. I, I just absolutely love that movie. It was, it, it, it surprised me how much I enjoyed it. Because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Carpenter fan, um, but that movie killed me. I loved it. Um, and I'm assuming everyone else here has seen it, like, Ten times from when they were kids. Oh, oh yeah. The, begin- yeah. the beginning of that with John Houseman, where he's standing there at the fire telling the story, man. Like that always just gets me every single time. It doesn't matter how many times I watch that film. It's just that beginning just kills me. Adrian Barbeau's tits kill me. <laughs> I've never seen it. Suffocation. Add it, to, add it to your list, Paul. 
It's worth oh, it watching. Be. It's never been as high up on my list as a, I think it's a pretty flawed movie, or it doesn't quite go where I want it to go. But I like it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good. still good Carpenter. It is funny you mention that, John, because the interesting thing I was reading uh, an interview about a year ago, John Carpenter was uh, discussing, and they said, "What is your least favorite film you made?" And he actually said, "The Fog." Hmm. Well, it just seems. It just really? seems, you're going through that cycle of amazing Carpenter at that time, yeah. right? Like, it's yeah. just, it's, like I, the fog and not the ward. Or, or, or and this was right when the ward, uh, a little bit after the ward came out. And I just thought <laughs> oh, about no. Ghost of Mars. All right, I'm sorry, Ghost of Mars. And you got confess, Confessions of an Invisible Man. I mean, come on, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I saw that one in the theater, and I haven't seen it since. But I remember oh. when I saw it in the theater. But I was, you know, I was. 15, 16 years old in the Carpenter Mark. Is that the uh, one with Chevy Chase? Or? Yeah. The Ward's terrible, though. I saw that at fucking The Ward is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. No, we did have Amber Heard and, uh, oh. oh, God, what's her name? What's her No, no, the one I really like is in it. From oh, Kick-Ass. yeah. From Kick Ass, yeah. Uh, what the hell's her name? Well, she's good, though. Just really cute with glasses. But oh, I yeah. saw her. Better. I didn't meet her, but I saw her on stage, all of them. Showed up. Well, I think we were probably in the same screening then, John. But good lord, right. Amber. <laughs> yeah, Amber Heard is just ah. Oh. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm okay with Amber Heard's the other one. I really like though. Cool. This year, Vish, we'll have to hook up before the movie. Well, I think yeah, we we've probably been to a whole bunch of movies together and just didn't know it. But you know, we were both at Lords of Salem. I remember you Ugh. messaging me. I'm like ah, looking for you, and the lights went out. So yeah, <laughs> and you guys want to hook up on the lights? Yeah, right? back Wait. row, baby. Well, I would rather do that than watch Lords of Salem again. <laughs> yes, tear <laughs> yeah. out the bottom of that popcorn bag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim. What's your number eight? Eight. All right. Uh, going back to 1963, this is one that I really, really uh, overlooked for so many years, and I really regret doing. It's a film called The Sadist. Never heard uh, of it. Yes, Archall, Archall Jr. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Running through Tim's movies here. <laughs> Fucking killer film, man. Fucking killer film. It's kind of loosely based on uh, Charles Starkweather. You know the. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his uh, the the lead in that is. Uh, Oh, Arch Hall Jr. Yeah, Arch Hall yeah. Jr. Yeah. Right. But it's yeah. uh, it's about a, three, uh, a couple of teachers that are going to a baseball game, and they pull into a rural gas station on the side of the road, and they're basically victimized by this uh, serial killer and his girlfriend, you know, this drifter. And I'll tell you, man, for a film that's all basically just contained in the same area, like the same location – it's it's fucking brilliant, and it's really claustrophobic. It's tight, it's tense, and Arch Hall just plays it like he he just plays it like he's just so fucking sadistic. He's just so like twisted, you know. Like it's like you know, at one point in the film, he's going to shoot somebody, and then this guy says, "Hey, man, like don't 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 shoot him." And he goes, "Okay, then you shoot him." So he's actually making a victim shoot another victim, right? Like I mean, it's that that kind of like. Yeah. Sticking the fork in you, you know, and it's like, and this is 1963. Like you got to remember, like today, it's pretty tame. But I mean, back, back for, you know, for the time back then, man. Like this was like, you know, a kick in the groin, man. This yeah. is this is a solid film. I'll have to check that one out. He kind of looked like Charles Starkweather too. Oh yeah, and he's got this laugh. He's got this. <laughs> got this really. Oh man, like he's just so fucking sick in it. He's great. Awesome. Definitely Just... his best role he ever did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the other films that he did weren't so great, but, I mean, you know, like Wait Rock and Roll. E- Egal what? was great. 
the nasty yeah, rabbit's not great. Richard Gill's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, his dad was the producer or director of all those movies. His dad was a producer, I think. Yeah. James Landis was the director, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I always liked the, that one. Good pick. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Justin, number eight. Number eight is another film from, I guess you could say, a list of shame, and that would be, I think it's 1932, that would be Duck Soup from the Marx Brothers. Oh, oh yeah. Very, very fucking it. funny. Uh, it's Probably my favorite. Yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, I've seen Day at the Races recently, which I thought was good, too. Uh, but this one is just so consistently funny. Probably the hardest I've laughed in a couple of years, to be honest. Um, uh, I think even it's somewhat of its, you know, politi- obviously it's a political comedy, but it still kind of rings true today. <coughs> some of the satire goes for, and it just, it doesn't really it lose steam at all. And I think what helps is that it's only a little about, what, 70 minutes of that. So mm-hmm. right when it kind of gets to the end where it might start to lose steam, it's wrapping things up. So it's, I just, and I love Groucho Marx. He just delivers so many great lines. It's, Really isn't much else to say about this. It's just it's. I believe it's uh, still on Netflix instant. So if you haven't, it's only like maybe an hour or oh, so. Oh, nice. I'll life. check that out. Just yeah, it's yeah. just gonna keep. Uh, I mean, I've laughed so freaking hard. It's, I think the Marx Brothers comedy was so transcendent. I mean, everyone just yeah. looked at them as these three, you know, screwballs. But it was more than that. I mean, like the shit that Groucho would come up with was so layered. And I mean, like some of the lines he would come up with, man, even to this day. You know, he was so far ahead of his time, it wasn't even funny yeah. with some of the lines, you know? Yeah. I loved what a smart ass he was. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One of the best Marx Brothers lines I ever heard is when uh, he says that he, he's given some guy's wife lip, and she says, well, how dare you? And then Groucho says to the guy, is this your wife? And he says, yes, it is. He goes, well, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, Paul, you're number eight. Irreversible. Ooh. Oh, yeah. jeez. The best you're Valentine's, you're hitting the big one. Ever. <laughs> Valentine's Day movie yeah. ever. Yeah. Oh, well, funny enough, it was my um, better half, my wife-to-be, it was her who turned me on to a reversible. She'd um, nice. studied <laughs> film at college. <laughs> and um, She'd studied film at college, and that was one of the films she'd watched while at college, and she'd banged on about it for ages and ages and ages, so I uh, Finally got round to watching it this year with her, and oh, I loved it. It's, yeah. um, I mean, I mean, I have got a massive hard on for Vincent Cassell. I will watch him in anything. <laughs> He's, um... I was just say, Paul, you had a massive hard on for fire extinguishers. Something gold. I mean, Hollywood don't have a clue how to use him, but he should be starring in way more. Um, movies than he is um, in Hollywood. Having, having said that, I'm a big fan of French cinema, so yeah. if he sticks to just French cinema, then that's fine with me, because some I'll of the stuff they um, churn out is uh, amazing anyway, so yeah, no, really, really, I mean, it's brutal. It, it really is brutal, and um, oh. I, I also, I watched, and this is going to probably be on my list next year, I watched Enter the Void recently. Nice. On yeah. Blue. Um, yeah. Jasper Noe, he's um, well, he's he's fantastic. I don't mm-hmm. understand the criticism he gets. You really um, have to hand it to Jasper Noe because man, this guy has created the ultimate breakup film. You know, for people that don't have the balls <laughs> to break up with their their other half, 
You just put on irreversible and guaranteed within about <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes, man. They're out the door. They've packed their bags. They're fucking <laughs> going. <laughs> I could use that in the past. I uh, actually yeah. watched that with my wife on on our pay TV here in Canada. It was on late at night, and I was like, oh, I want to see this. So we watched it, and this is the only movie that has ever offended my wife that I've watched mm. with her. Like, I'll oh. turn off movies with, you know – Violence against women or something. Were you, were you sitting there? Were you sitting there like, oh man, that is hot. That is. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I could hardly masturbate to Monica Belushi during that movie. Actually, Vincent Cassell was over here, and uh, he was at a film festival I was at, and a buddy of mine actually was at a dinner where Vincent was, and he was talking to him, and he said, uh, "Man, he goes, I just want to know, how could you ever let your wife make a movie like that, right?" And Cassell looks at him and says. Well, most people just don't understand the French comedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bug, what's your number eight? Uh, for number eight, go go back to 1990 for a movie called Blood Games. A uh, yeah. little, little flick about a, uh, a touring team of uh, female softball players who goes around <laughs> and does exhibition games. They come down south and do a game, and uh, then they beat the guys, and, and the guys don't take kindly to it and start hunting them down. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a rape-revenge film, but instead of a final girl, you get, like, a team of girls. A women's softball movie. I never yep. thought there was such a thing. Yep. Yeah, I watched yep. it uh, about two years ago on Netflix Instant. I actually marked out when uh, Fabian, awesome Fabian, mentioned that on this week's episode of uh, GGTMC. Was it so really solid? Like, was it a rock star movie? Was it awesome? I'm happy that you're bringing it up, uh, TL, because it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's a little bit different than your standard just rape revenge kind of thing. I mean, the, it, it was. It, I think it, it had a woman director, so I think that gives it a completely different slant than a lot of the other ones that you see. Especially the, uh, I'm pretty sure Emily covered it in her blog a while back. Yeah, it, I, se- you know, it seems like something Emily would watch. Well, cool. the baseball, you know. But yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. She got the, the baseball, baseball too. <laughs> yep. Um, so, John, what's your number eight? My number eight is Paths of Glory. Nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's funny the gentleman covered this because I watched it like a month before they covered it. Oh, so they so copied you. God, that's all they those, do. Those motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what else to say. It's awesome, man. Every Kubrick. I went through a little Kubrick phase. Uh, this year, just you know, catching up on some stuff. I still lots of big ones I have never seen. I've never seen The Killings. Oh, I know, oh, dude, I know. Oh, yeah. little, but uh, and I watched 2001 this year, which I'd seen before, but I was really young and didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, but but Pass the Glory is awesome. I mean, I don't know what else they I love, say. I love the battle scenes in that one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I just love the when uh, the when the generals walking around and the guy's shell shocked, mm-hmm. stalking them, you know. Uh, great movie. Cool. Zom, number eight. Uh, number eight. Wait a minute. You caught me with my puns down, eh? Uh, let's see. <laughs> my dog Tulip. 200. 200 2009. <laughs> this is a, an animated movie uh, that is voiced by lots of people. Christopher Plummer is the main one. Uh, Lynn Redgrave, Isabella Rossellini, and it's just uh, if you're an animal lover, if you're a dog person, uh, you will probably love this movie. <laughs> uh, check it out, guy. Uh, 
basically rescues a, a, this German shepherd. And uh, like I said, I, if if you have dogs or if you you know are a dog lover, you've went through a lot of this stuff, and uh, it's just a it's just a sweet movie. It's so sweet. <laughs> The poster has the dog pissing on the guy's shoe. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's funny. It's got a lot of a uh, lot of humor like that, you know. But uh, cool. yeah, check it out. It, it won the my best animated short dog movie. Didn't it win the best short at the Oscars that year, or it was nominated? I remember hearing about that. I think it, it looks feature length. I don't know if it's a short. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh. It was a yeah, it was full length movie. Oh, okay. Forget it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking. About. <laughs> I don't know if there's any more animated dog films after the Plague Dogs. Oh God. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that? No. No, how is that? It's in my queue. I, you should pair oh, God. Watership Down. God. Yeah, Watership Down or the Plague Dogs for animated uh, animal films. Like, Watership Down that, kills me every time still. Dog, you, you hit the high, and these ones are kind of the lows. It's just like, you know, it's, it looks like it's for kids, but it's like, oh, God, it's just so sad and depressing, you know, like. Uh, okay, we're going to move on to my number eight. Um, it's a documentary. Um, from 2004 called Dig. Um, this is a um, going over the kind of weird relationship between the Brian Jonestown Massacre and the Dandy Warhols, and it really right. it goes into well, it goes into their relationship and as well as like just the music industry in general and how some bands go one direction and others the other. And I was very impressed by this. And um, it, whenever I watch a documentary and find myself exploring further or, or, you know, something like that after the fact, I know it's something that affected me and I've been a Brian Jonestown massacre fan ever since I saw this, but, um, I'd say if I was the dandy Warhols, I probably wouldn't be the happiest of how I would be. I was portrayed in this movie. <laughs> no. Um, but it's, 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 it's really great. I hope we can review it on the show actually at some point. So what's his name? A- Anton, uh, Anton Newcomb. Yeah, yeah, right. No, he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a, he's a psychopath probably, but man, he makes some, Pretty interesting music, so. Yeah. Now, here I thought this was a documentary on the making of Hole starring Shia LaBeouf. Free, free, free. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Fucking douche. LaBeouf. It's LaBeouf. LaBeouf. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're the third in. Uh, I figured this is a good time for a little break if anybody needs, and uh, we'll be right back. GGTMC live for you, fresh air. Big Willie and the Samurai are at your service, breaking films down and turning them around, giving recommendations that are always on point. Visit GGTMC.com for more information. The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Bringing class to the trash since 1977. The huntsman or a player that made you pay the cost that now assumes relaxed positions and prostitutes your loss. Were you tortured by your own thirst in those pleasures that you seek that made you Tom the curious that makes you James the weak? 
And you claim you got something going Something you call unique But I've seen your self-pity showing As the tears roll down your cheeks All right, we're back from break. Everybody got some tacos and took the poops. Um, well, let's see. We're going to continue with our number sevens, or in Vish's case, his fourth film, or Vish. Uh, the next one I have in my alphabetical list, because I've decided to destroy your numerical order, um, <laughs> it's 2009's House of the Devil by Mr. Ty West. Oh, nice. nice. Which, uh, again, I... Nice. In, ooh, it was just, like I said, it was a nice, solid throwback, well-made. I mean, I like The Innkeepers, yeah. um, but House of the Devil is still my favorite thing of his I've seen, and we should just never, ever speak of the thing he did for ABC's of Death. Um, <laughs> I thought to see that, so thanks, oh, now I'm scared. Terrible. Um, <laughs> you don't. No, you really don't, dude. House of the Devil was, like, it just, it was thick, and I've got a bit of a man crush on A.J. Bowen in that. He's the sort of surly, bearded one who shoots the girl in the face in the car. Oh. Um, he, he pops up in a whole bunch of, I mean, he's in The Signal, and he's in, um, Oh, I was in a one called The Rites of Spring recently that was okay, but I just find him himself is really solid. And this was just one where Wes seems to nail it. I don't know if he can replicate this again. Um, like I said, I like the innkeepers, but Devil just everything was perfect for me. It was not perfect, I thought. You know, I, I saw that one, and I don't know what I was expecting. Afterwards, I was just kind of like, eh, it didn't. I don't know. Something didn't work for me. Was it yeah. the ending, or it just didn't like the, too like, much build up? The or? movie, I, maybe it was just too much build up. But the movie in general, like I after I saw, it, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. I don't, I don't know why everybody was dro- drooling over it, but maybe I need to see it again with a different set of eyes. <sighs> not enough explosions. <laughs> yeah, not enough <laughs> Dolph Lundgren or Tiddy. It was not it. enough oh, man. Man. Yeah, not cool. enough sacks of semen. Semen sacks. Sacks of semen. Tim, what's your number seven? All right. Uh, 1973, uh, Messiah of Evil. Uh, Willard Hill. Have you guys, anybody seen this one? No. Nope. I've heard of it. Oh, man. This is amazing. This is, uh, it was on one of the Mill Creek boxes. I was pouring through some of the boxes. uh, When I I was a kid, uh, I remember seeing Omega Man for the first time. And one of the things, they always scared the shit out of me about Omega Man, was the albino vampires, you know, in their hoods. Yeah, and mm-hmm. always creeped me out. Yeah, exactly. Right, it just cre- <laughs> they freaked me out. You know. So uh, what happened was uh, in this film, Messiah of Evil, it's like they have and nothing against albinos because you know I you know they're all right by me, but man, one of the freakiest, <laughs> one of the freakiest albinos that I've ever seen in my entire fucking life is in this film, and it's you know, and it's just, it, it's on a it's on a coastal town where this woman goes back to find her father who's an artist and it's like this really moody gothic film right and it's and it's like this whole town is abandoned it's a ghost town and she doesn't know why and it's just some of the fucking creepiest imagery i've ever seen man and it's and it's like it's an older film but there's a bit with a theater that's almost like a literal nightmare where you know this girl goes to sit down in the theater to watch a movie and there's no one in the theater and the next thing you know, as she's watching it, you see behind her that people start to progressively come in the theater and sit behind her. And then there's just, like, more people and more people and more people. And she doesn't notice them, right? Because they come in so silently. And it's the freakiest thing you've ever seen. It's a solid, solid, solid film. 
They all take out their cell phones and start texting. And <laughs> I was about to say, I've had that happen where I'm like the only person in a theater and I'm happy. And then raise the film starts, a bunch of people like sit behind me and they fucking talk the whole time. Uh, <laughs> nice. so, this is this is really a scary, scary film, man. It's really moody, right? and it's not it's not overly violent or gory. It's just the whole tone of it. It's just something really unnerving about it. It's a really wicked film. Cool, checking that one out. Yeah. I probably have it since Smell Creek. Oh, all yeah. right, all right. Which set is it on? Do you know? Remember which set, Mill Creek set it's on? I'll have to look it up, man. I'll post it on the uh, on the Facebook. Cool. Okay. Uh, Justin, number seven. Number seven is the Long Good Friday with oh. Bob Hoskins and yeah. Helen Mirren. <laughs> who uh, Helen Mirren really made me long? I'll tell you that. Woof. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; she still does. All right. <laughs> um, and you're known for making out with grandmas. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm in total agreement with you, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's good stuff. I, I watched it for the uh, Death Rattle Movie Club. Uh, I think Zach and John, did you guys drop by that yep. one? Oh, yep. I missed I missed that one. That was the first one I missed, but I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great. It was one that I had uh, had in my queue and wanted to watch. So I was glad that. Uh, whomever picked it, picked it. I can't remember who picked it. Uh, just great stuff. Hoskins just fucking oh, nails man. it. As starting off the day as, you know, gangs from top of the world and just watching his, you know, life just skyrocket down. It's, he just it nails it. And like I said, Helen Mirren's great in it. It's probably, it's probably one of my favorite gangster movies on the top of the list. Nice. I think that was Pierce Morgan's first ever film role as well, weren't it? The small cameo he has in it. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not Pierce Morgan, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Oh. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> but you know, you know what's funny about Long Good Friday is it's, it's kind of like uh, you know him him and Kingsley as initially when you see them you, you figure that you know they could never really play hard men, but holy shit, man, is he is he yeah. is he evil in that man? It's just amazing. Like when you see him go from that to Roger Rabbit. It's yeah. kind of hilarious, yeah. right? You know, but but Bob Hoskins, man, he's <laughs> from- play a real bad fucking character. Now, go imagine, from Gandhi to Don Logan. Yeah. <laughs> right. Go from Gandhi to the Love Guru. <laughs> oh, wow. oh. The less said about the Love Guru, the better. <laughs> Fuck you. All right, uh, Paul, you're number seven. Return of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. yes. Classic. Yep. Um, watched this about six months ago, I think. Because I'd heard somebody mention on the board that it's one of the must-sees, and it's one of them. Like I'm not the biggest horror fan, to be honest, but when it's done well, like this is, then I, re- I really, really enjoy it. I think it where it's it, it it's funny spots really well when it's meant to, and everything. And I just had a lo- loads and loads of fun with it. I watched, I think, it back to back with um, Repo Man, were it? Yeah, and I, um, but I, uh, yeah, I did, I did a back to back of them too. But I enjoyed this a, a lot, lot more. And the, the soundtrack to it's amazing. Right, Paul, if you, if you really love the film, you got to check out the documentary "More Brains" when they, yeah, they actually go back. Out. Yeah, it's, it's on the Steel Book, isn't it? Uh, there's a yeah, it's blue, wicked. blue, a blue yeah, rail it's Steel Book. It's really, really good. It's really good. It gets in, uh, like, you know, so many years later, and uh, they talk to, uh, Klug- uh, what's his name, uh, Gulliger, and uh, yeah. it's really, really wicked. Did they uh, talk to Miguel Nunes? Yeah, actually. Yeah. I think they've got a footage on there. Because uh, I, I haven't seen it yet. I've been meaning to watch it, but I keep... It's damn good. It's it's really good. Oh, yeah, Gulliger definitely check it out, interviews. Justin. 
mm-hmm. his uh, he, his little bits talking about Nightmare on Elm Street two on uh, the Never Sleep Again documentary are oh, pretty hilarious. And and you yeah. know you know there's little things in that film that I never ever realized. Like for example, um, Don Calfa who plays Ernie, the you know the mortician, he's supposed to be a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you can actually see at one point he's wearing an armband and he's and he's listening to like you know the German uh, I forget in the soundtrack when in the background when he's working on the corpse yeah and, and he's then, got the Luger right 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 the first time you see the film it never dawns on me like it never dawned on me I never thought about it well, I was like tons I, of stuff. I never knew that the film took place in Illinois right mm. what about the eye chart stuff. Oh yeah, the, the iceberg <laughs> is uh, whatever. I took me a few weeks to notice that, that stuff. <laughs> see that again. Cool, uh, uh, bug. Your number seven. Um, if you only ever see one Dutch movie about motocross racing, <laughs> ah, I know then see Spetters yes. from nineteen eighty, uh, Paul Verhoeven's uh, early film. Uh, I was really surprised with this. I I kind of expected like BMX bandits or something, and um, it ended up being a much more tragic, deeper story than that. Um, and I'd actually gone into it because Rutger Hauer had a very small part, uh, but he doesn't really play a huge role in the thing. Uh, the the main leads are really not people I'm familiar with, but they were really good, and it was just a really intense storyline that uh, uh, was very tragic and, and fun and interesting to watch. Huh. Interesting. I think the earliest Verhoeven I've still seen was, was probably, I mean, I guess it was before this one. It was the one we did on the show, the, um, yeah, Turkish thing. delight from 73, sure. which he, he did, he yeah. did some work before that. Oh, I guess Turkish delight was his, he did diary of a hooker before that, but yeah, I've not seen a lot of his early stuff. I mean, yeah, mostly. Hooker and Crime of his... Prostitute sounds like a good double. Well, Spatters, I think, is on uh, Instant on Netflix, so check it out. But he okay. does Rutger Hauer's penis like Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, here's a question. Yeah. I've, I've, um, you know, I'm a big Verhoeven guy, but strictly from the 80s American stuff, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how does how does his Dutch stuff before he came to America and became a, you know obsessed with violence and sci-fi and stuff? It's awesome. It, it, does it does <laughs> any of the themes still continue forth? Like in his old like was he into that stuff before? Is it of all his movies super lots of tits and violence and oh yeah they don't sound, they don't sound like that. The only thing I also had lots yeah. of pussy and. Penises and balls yeah. and fucking. He put, the, he put the flower in the girl's butthole in, in uh, Turkish Delight. Yeah. Okay. Well, and enough said. Grew. I'm in. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta see his film called The Fourth Man. The Fourth Man. Uh, the fourth, yeah, The Fourth Man. Is, yeah. You gotta check that out. That's a real twisted little fucking piece of uh, work it's there. Got that, it's got that asshole, the crabby dude that I was I was complaining oh, about. Oh yeah, crabby. Yeah, you love him. <laughs> yeah, it's a good film. It's really twisted though, man. It's really bizarre. It's it's total Verhoeven, but it's like you know, it's almost like uh, you can see where it's kind of like an early version of Fatal Attraction a little bit. Okay, nice. But cool. it's good. It's good. John, you number I'll seven. Write that down. My number seven. Just, you know, it's funny. This movie, I thought it was okay when I watched it. I was kind of let down by it a bit because I'd heard so many good things, but it grew. It was one of those movies that grew in distinction, and it's uh, the assassination of Jesse James by that coward yeah, nice. Robert yeah, Ford. I like uh, it really stayed with me. Like I couldn't get rid of mm-hmm. it out of my head. I was like, that's a bit long, and it's a bit drawn out. It was good, I guess, but then I was like, kept thinking about it over the days. I had to go back and watch it, and watch it again, and uh, 
yeah, I really enjoy it. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Affleck, Affleck's performance is just outstanding. Yeah. 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 My, probably the best thing to come out of that, though, was uh, a few years uh, later when the in sound weird, but when the Yogi Bear movie was coming out, somebody <laughs> who I guess <laughs> yeah. oh, animate the same animation, like recreated a scene, the, the famous scene from that film, but with Boo Boo and Yogi Bear. <laughs> weird. I don't yeah. know if it's. I don't know if it still exists on YouTube, but that was uh, that was great. And yes, I somehow was able to tie that into that fucking shitty Yogi Bear movie, which I had to see in a theater. I believe it was it's actually not, one of the animators who did it. Probably I think Yogi so. Bear. Probably kind of enjoyed the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the whole time I hit to go like this, but the whole time I came so close to snapping in a theater full of children, yelling, "You have two fucking talking bears, and you want to know how you save a fucking park? Wait. Exploit the fucking bear!" <laughs> you went to the theater to see Yogi. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I had to. I had to I th- review it. I thought I was a sick bastard. Jesus Christ! I, I had to review it. And I really was, if there were no kids in there, I would have been screaming at the screen because he was just oh like, well, I don't know how to save You're the park. just a big TJ Miller fan. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've watched that twice. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> All right, Zom, what's your number seven? Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm glad I came back. <laughs> uh, number seven is... Uh, a June Jarmusch uh, 1984 movie, Stranger Than Paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like this movie. I'd never seen it before, and um, I really like his flicks, so I checked it out. And um, uh, get the fuck out of here, you mutt. Um, there, there was a, 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 it's black and white. It takes a lot of it takes place in Cleveland, of course. Then they. Uh, head down to uh, FLA, but uh, just a couple of dudes and uh, like I think the one guys. The, the the one thing about making this list is some of the shit I watched probably like a goddamn year ago, <laughs> and so you know you see it one time and then I'm saying okay let's see what happened in this. Uh, okay, I really liked it. It's in my top ten. What the fuck? <laughs> but anyway, I really liked it. I recommend it. Um, it's um, got that quirky Jarmish shite. And uh, the, the, the the main chick in it who plays uh, one of the guy's cousins that comes, I think, from like well, – she, uh, from she's Hungarian. Uh, and um, uh, Esther uh, Ballant, uh, she was pretty awesome. Very good. Uh, it's a good movie. If you like Jarmish, uh, check it out. If you don't like Jarmish, check it out. <laughs> Asshole. Uh, Watch okay. it. All right, my number seven. What is my number seven? Ooh, that's a good one from 1967. Um, Jean Pierre Melville, uh, Les Samurai. Yay! Also known as Les Samurai. Um, this the is the Samurai. Uh, yeah. From Kentucky. <laughs> Starring Elaine Delon. And it's just, I mean, if you like. 60s heisties type crime films uh, from Europe. Check it out because this is uh, this is one that will uh, it will go well for you. Um, it's it's more for me about the um, I guess the feel and the coolness of of Delon more than anything, and uh, that that alone carries the movie. But really, really good movie. Yeah. He's a cool motherfucker. Does anybody have me playing through speakers by chance? How what? I can hear it echoing back now. Yeah, I can hear it echoing back. All right. 
Uh, let's see. Vish, your next film. I feel lame after that. My picks are all sort of things I think everyone else has seen. Mine was, this was my year of getting things I hadn't, I, you know, my horror of shame, as it were. Um, so I went with Pet Cemetery, which I'm assuming everyone else has seen, wow. except for me. Not. Yeah. Okay. Not. This is kind of creepy that you bring that up, because I was just thinking about that film earlier. It is creepy, because I have experience with that movie this week. A That's weird freaking experience. movie. <laughs> no, it was... haunted by Fred Gwynn. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of sort of, I would consider canon horror films, like, as nothing important, not the company, um, that I just haven't seen, because I wasn't allowed to see horror films as a kid, and, um... Finally got around to this one and just had a, I mean, some of the imagery really worked. The, uh, the sort of big over the head shot of the, the, the burial ground when you first see that really impacted me and fucking Zelda scared the shit out of me still. Oh that creeps God. me out. Still oh, yeah. gives me creeps. Yeah. Creeps. Which is, okay. I mean. Yeah. You know, like, there's always those, uh, those films with a certain body trauma. Like, you know, some people can't mm. watch the eye trauma or they can't see the yeah. teeth trauma, but there's a certain. Seen in that film with the bed. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ugh, God. Like, oh, God. It happened to who was the dude at the NHL game last week that he got his he got his uh, ACL stomped him. on. Yeah. 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 That, yeah, that looked bad enough, but this... Oh, that's not even the part I'm talking about. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the part where he falls off the bed, the actor, oh, and hits yeah, his head dude. on the corner of the table. It's so yeah. real, like, like if that really happened, they filmed it. Ouch. Well, but anyways... Poor sound when he makes contact with that table and just like, yeah. Oh. Poor Fred Gwynn has a picture of fucking Herman Munster as his IMDb. Sometimes that is better. So this week, yeah, I've been saying that all week because Wednesday or Thursday, I have a friend who is running a tow motor at work, and we've been talking about Looper a lot, and because uh, Looper's like incredible. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of pictures of memes going around of the Rainmaker, the kid, you know, with the rage face, yeah, yeah, yeah. saying, I'm the motherfucking Rainmaker, bitch, <laughs> or something like that. And I went up and showed him just randomly. And he goes, that's the meanest looking kid. And I said to him, I was like, that's the meanest looking kid since Dead Cage in, uh, <laughs> oh, in Pet Cemetery." And he goes, what? And I was like, Dead Cage in Pet Cemetery." He goes, Cage dies? And he turns over. Pet Cemetery book that's sitting beside him on the. Oh, he's, <laughs> nice. He's, he's not even a hundred pages in. He's never. Ah. Heard of what are the fucking odds? Jesus and Christ! They fucking totally ruined the book for him. <laughs> Seriously, pet, pet oh, man. And I kept going on too. I'm like, oh, you had to know he died. They foreshadow it with the trucks. What? Right. Oh my god! Oh my god! Well, you know, they buried the cat church in the. He's, he's like, like church just died. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't seen it either, so... Oh, my God. Uh, that was like... Uh, what are the fucking <laughs> chances that this comes up again? Pet Cemetery has just come up repeatedly this week. Right. so fucking weird. No, I was like, I was, on a, I was on a plane going back to Canada once, and there was this woman being a total bitch on the plane, and she just, you know, just making a scene. So finally, she gets settled down, and they give her a headset to watch the movie, and it was Million Dollar Baby. So I get up to go take a leak, and on my way back, I just kind of tapped her on the shoulder, and she took her headset off, and I said, she dies in the end. Oh. And just- <laughs> 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 uh, oh. <laughs> That's kind of jerky. <laughs> uh. All right, Tim, your number, let's see, what are we on, seven? No, six. six. All right. Uh 
Have you ever come across those films that you're just thinking there's no fucking way in hell this should have ever been shot with the cast? You know, it's just those those movies where the director must know people in high places or they must be sucking a lot of dick to get this film made because there's no rights this film should have been made. Like Yogi Bear. Uh, 1991, this film called The, the Dark Backward. The Dark Backward. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, I love the dark back. Bill Paxton made that, did he? Yes, Bill Paxton. This film is probably the fucking greasiest, grimiest (laughs) fucking film I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, the whole set is actually, it's just soaked in, like, grease, ass sweat, and fucking dirt. Jesus. It's about, um, basically, it's Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. He plays this really shitty comedian, like, uh, you guys ever seen Neil Hamburger? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like Neil Hamburger. <laughs> it's like Neil Hamburger, right? But then one day he wakes up and he's got a big zit growing on his back, and the big zit turns into a third <laughs> arm. And he winds up with a third arm in his fucking back, right? But here's the cast. Check this out. James Caan, Rob Lowe, Wayne Newton, Bill Paxton, Laura Flynn Boyle. It's like, what the fuck, man? Wow. Like, there's yes, no fucking way should have been made, right? And it, it, Bill Paxton... He he he's acting in this like Gigi Allen, right? He's like, you know, you know that fucking juice that kind of soaks into the bottom of a garbage bag. <laughs> imagine a whole, imagine a whole swimming pool of that, and Bill Paxton in this like shit stained tidy whitey swimming in a huge swimming pool with that with three big fat giant naked ladies. I'm, I, I mean, I mean like biggins, like BB, like not BBWs, but BBBWs, you know, like biggins. You know? <laughs> <laughs> much about it. And it is just, it's, it's one of those films, like you were saying, you watch it and you're like, this can't be real with this cast in this type yeah. of film. Like yeah. Wayne, to, to, the, to this day, the fact that Wayne Newton plays the manager, like his manager, fucking like baffles me in like the greatest right. way possible. And that James Conn is the the doctor. And right. With, almost, and Rob Lowe has a shirt nose. Rob yeah, Lowe has a it's, yeah. It's, it's and the whole so movie, fantastic. when you're watching it, you just feel like you're just rubbing shit all over your body while you're watching. <laughs> like I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels. Yet the strangest thing is, it feels good that you're rubbing the shit on your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it was. Uh, well, the <laughs> thing the film is that they've got all these uh, product placements for pork products. Like they have this fake company called Blumps, and they make these things that they call, <laughs> like the, the cookies. Cookies are pig Newtons. The pork, <laughs> and then they. Have uh, what was it? Uh, pork, pork juice with pulp, you know? Mm. So they have mm. all these pork products through the whole film. It's just so. Uh, I just love it, though. It's the mo- one of the most disgusting films I've ever seen. I don't know think about it. You two need to review it, Zaman Loaf. It's a silver and gold. I'll put it on the list. That's a silver and gold film. Cool. All right, Justin, what's your number six? Uh, it's not as dirty and sleazy as uh, <laughs> Dark Backward. Um, it's actually all oh, going way back to 1920. Ooh. It is the. Silent film, a classic one. I finally got to the Goblin with uh, the classic tale of the, uh, you know, kind of like this giant clay creature kind of coming to life to kind of help out the town. Uh, oh yeah, it's. It, I almost want to say political undertones, but it's Jewish pretty heavy. The, yeah, it's almost, it's almost political overtones at this point. But what I love is it is very powerful. But what I love is how the way it's directed. Now I I don't know maybe what's you the, me what's the movie the Golem. the Golem the Golem Sorry. oh okay I don't yeah I've seen that yeah. I don't know if it's the way that I felt or the way it's directed, but the the way that it uses colors, because, you know, one scene will be, like, in a red tint, the next in a green, but it always felt that it always kind of, cap that tint would capture 
the mood of the film. Like a yellowish orange was kind of like melancholy, but if it was red was when the film was kind of in danger and all yeah. that. The green mm-hmm. was kind of like the elegance. And for the most part, it kind of stacked up to that. But it's it's really powerful uh, how it still stays true. And um, the Gollum the effect with that. fucked up haircut. <laughs> yeah. It's like a but, Dutch boy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. It was like, he was like a Cinemascus boy when he was younger. Um... <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, I mean, for you know, 1920, the, the, the Gollum creature looks fantastic for the way that they, you know, make it move, and it it floored me, and it uh, I was kind of glad that I watched it because you know I kind of went in hesitation because I think it's like I could be wrong, but I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes, but it oh, wow. it doesn't really I could be wrong though because it doesn't really feel that long. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those films that kind of feels its length, but not in a bad way. <laughs> like it Ooh. feels like kind of like okay, it feels like an epic, but it doesn't feel. Like it's actually taking an hour and forty minutes, which in nineteen twenty would be a long time. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's. I was glad I finally got around to watching it. It was excellent. Awesome, Paul. Number six. Blowout. Blowout. Oh, yeah. nice. I still is this the one with the John Travolta? Mm. Yep. I haven't seen this one yet. I mean, oh, you, you need to. I um, this is my, the first Criterion I uh, ever bought on blue. Nice. Um, it was it was blind buy. Um, James, I did, the, I did um, the same thing. I blind bought uh, Blowout on Criterion when it came out. Yeah, um, James, who I uh, work with, the the other man, um, James Lawrence, is also on the boards and what have you. He he banged on about it for ages. So I bought it when there were a Criterion sale on, and I'm actually going to quote him in saying this: um, that end scene on the rooftop, that is such a tribute to all the galleys of the 70s with the um, the, the red colouring and what have you. It's such a good film. He, Travolta, he, he really is on top. Of, this is when he was in his prime, and it's just fantastic. I, I love all the conspiracy movies and what have you, so yeah, it's top-notch, this. Yeah, yeah, this like- is better than Wild Hogs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's better than Old Dogs, though. You know? Mm. Uh, Lithgow has just killed her in that, man. Lithgow is oh, yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. What a creep. I always wanted uh, one of those like uh, piano wire garrote things. Yeah, you know, just, just for dates. Remember what was the movie we did? What was the movie we did, Zom, where the people got the it, the people got the different weapons and one of the guys was all about the garrote and it was like, Why would you want that? Of like get a fucking gun or a machete or something. Jesus. That was the I vaguely days. remember that. Well it had uh it had uh, Swayze's brother in it. Oh, oh my god. That, uh, that <laughs> yeah. Donald yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Chuck Norris's son. Yeah. I can't remember what the fucking turd's name was. It was a fucking shitty movie. <laughs> All right, uh, TL Bug, you're number six. All right, and uh, number six, uh, if you're between Virginia Madsen and Jennifer Connelly, then you are definitely in oh, yes. The Hot Spot. Yeah. Oh, the Hot Spot so bad. I get to meet Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer uh, Virginia Madsen, hopefully at HHW. Jennifer <laughs> Madsen Conley. Yes, oh, it's a myth. <laughs> and Don Johnson's hairless yep. ass. Yes. Oh, deal. I, uh, the hotspot's just a, it's a good modern noir directed by uh, Dennis Hopper. Oh yeah. Um, Fond uh, memories of the. <laughs> has, has a has a nice uh, lesbian topless scene from Jennifer Conley. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, oh, I had to get clips yep. of that, though, because 
with that's, Jennifer Connelly. That's something to look forward to for everybody. And uh, it's just a really good, tight story that's just, you know, it's got classic noir themes and it's just tight. updated and good stuff. <laughs> tight. I'm going to on record here. If I could, like, kind of, like, go back in time and just, like, you know how you always go back in time, you're like, oh, you know, if I go back in time and fuck this you person. You could turn that time. back to <laughs> all. It would be T.L. Bug. It would be me. And then I would go. Um, <laughs> you don't have to go back in time for that, Justin. Yeah. Or how we can. In time uh, for Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth. And I would still do Jennifer Connelly now. But Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth. skinny like, now, man. Oh, what for, the fuck well, is that's it? true. That is true. <clears throat> the same thing with Christina Ricci. She did the yeah. same thing like Christina Ricci. You know, like mm. she was, you know, I liked her when she had a bit of meat on her, and now she's that's just like funny. a skeleton, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer Connelly in career things. opportunities. That's oh, yeah. Oh, the horse. Yeah. The horse, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. You know what's funny about the hot spot is that one year I had, uh, for my birthday, my friends were throwing a party for me, and for a gift, they gave me uh, Bound in the Hot Spot. And I just said to everybody, all right, get the fuck out of the house. Leave now. I want to be <laughs> it's, it's the hot spot, man. It's just, that's the film. You know, it's just like, get out of the house. All right, everybody leave. I'm sick. I'm tired. Fuck off. <laughs> get the pump loop. John, you're, John, you're number six. Dead man shoes. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. He is awesome. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, spoiler to anyone who doesn't want to know anything about Dead Man's Shoes, stop listening for a second. Uh, I'll stop, but, listening. Yeah, just, stop listening for a second. <laughs> I never realized it was a, it's, it's a Friday the 13th from Jason's point of view. Like, basically that movie. It's fucking awesome. Oh, wow. The reveal. Yeah. Well, that's what I got from it. That, you know, it's a slasher movie from the slasher's point of view mm. completely. I want to see this. I really want to find it. It's so know, good. I'm not afraid to admit it, but I, that film made me cry like a baby, man. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, yeah. It totally sympathized, but that's what I mean. Uh, yeah. uh, that's what I got. It was like uh, all uh, – <laughs> I can't think of what I was going to say. All the movies you see, you see the POV of the killer and all these right. slasher movies, but you never get the emotions behind – Right. This is maybe Psycho. This is the closest it's, you've gotten it's to that. the idea of somebody coming back to something that's not there anymore. Yes. And, you know, when they're, when they're coming back and they're trying, they're trying to kind of connect with, with something that they left behind or a mistake they made or, or something that they're trying to rectify and coming back to it and, there's, and it's not there anymore. And it's just like they're haunted, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's an amazing film, man. I've, I've become quite a... Uh... I'm, I'm going to maybe butcher his last name, but Patty Considine. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah I've become quite a fan of his. I, 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 after, especially after I saw, you know, its directorial debut, but uh, Tyrannosaur. Oh my God, yeah. that was one of my favorite movies of of last year. Yeah, mine and that, too. That movie made me cry definitely. And this, that's sitting there waiting for me to watch, but I can't. Uh, I can't uh, to watch it. I've heard John, so that many movie's going to slay you. It's so good. It's really good. <laughs> and Eddie Mosden is such an evil schmuck in it too. Yeah, well, I've oh, heard about yeah. the dog and stuff. So I've just been, yeah. I've been sitting there waiting to watch it, but I just you know got to work myself up to it. I but check out, that, that's Christmas. Uh, check out everything that Shane Meadows has directed, man. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. killer, yeah. killer, killer actor, man. Everything he, he, you can't go wrong with Shane Meadows. Cool. Yeah. Oh no, not at all. Have no. any of you seen the um, the, if the This Is England TV series he's done after the movie This Is England? I'm wanting to. I'm wanting to. I haven't. Oh, the they're, they're both really worth checking out. If you the the really really. Grim 
like seriously grim. Um, especially the end of the first season of it. He, he's done two now. Um, this is England eighty four or six. Yeah, eighty six, and then this is England ninety. Was it? I think he did as I'm well. Not sure the second. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure on the second one. Yeah, what year that was? But yeah, they definitely check them out. Well, he's done. He's done. Uh, this is England eighty six, uh, eighty eight, yeah. and ninety. So it looks like uh, it looks like the halfway through season one, it went back to eighty six. It started as eighty eight, then back to eighty six, and then ninety for the third. Yeah, no, it's, they're, they're really worth checking out. Watch them all on TV because they were shown on um, Channel Four over here. But his other films are Room for Romeo Brass. That's a brilliant one. Um, oh yeah. And, I'll have to oh. definitely dive in. Cool. Uh, I know I love Dead Man's Shoes, uh, though I still have only watched it the one time. I keep on—I forget it's something I want to wa- the wife to watch. Nice. I think she'll like it. He's actually doing a documentary on um, the Stone Roses reformation for the concert oh, yeah? in Manchester this year. Yeah, he's—he's he's got all the rights to the footage of these concerts, <laughs> and he's putting together a documentary on it. That's why he's not making any movies this year because he's solely concentrating on a Stone Roses documentary. Hmm. A bunch of kids somewhere are going, who? <laughs> That's a different man. Cool. <laughs> All right, Zom, Zom, you're number six. Uh, number six was uh, Hotel, 1967. Uh, this stars Rod Taylor, uh, Carl Malden, uh, Melvin Douglas, and a young, hot chick named Catherine Spock uh, live long and prosper in her pussy. Um, <laughs> this movie we we reviewed on uh, Paleo Cinema, I believe. And uh, it's I liked it. It uh, takes place in a uh, big hotel in New Orleans. New Orleans, Nolans. And uh, uh, some people are trying to uh, buy the hotel. It's got a lot of it's. It's one of these ones that has just a, a several different stories going on at the same time, and uh, it's all tied together with the magnificent Rod Taylor. I've not seen that one. It's I'm no relation to the TV show of the seventies, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And who's um, the author? The the author, the writer who did Airport and he did Hotel. Yeah, Arthur did- Haley. Yeah. Haley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, let's move on to number five, or in Vish's uh, c- uh, case, I guess, uh, letter K or L. <laughs> Are you not doing <laughs> What's that? Oh, I did. Oh, well, shit, I just skipped myself. Yeah, My number that. six. Um, this one maybe surprised me as much as anybody else, but... Um, uh, so John Woo's The Killer was has never been my favorite movie. Uh, I don't really even like it all that much. Um, so I put off Hard Boiled for years and years, and it's one that I was I was concerned that I had seen when I started watching it because it came. I remember when it came out on video here. I worked at a video store in high school, and uh, the cover of it always looked so cool. And I couldn't remember if I'd actually rented it or not. But watching it this time, I definitely had not. And so yeah, Hard Boiled was fucking awesome. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know what changed between this and the killer, except the lack of the like melodramatic like chick story in it, um, which might be what what killed the killer for me. But I the hard boiled was a lot of fun. It was ridiculous at times, and the fucking I, I don't know his name, but the guy that that has the eye patch in it is just amazing. Um, Snake Fist Bliskin. 
Yes, Philip Kwok um, <laughs> plays Mad Dog in the movie, and it was a, yeah, he's really fucking good in it. Um, I'd watch this again tonight. Uh, I liked it a lot. So hard boiled. Yeah. Cool. All right, now time for the middle of the alphabet for Vish. Um, close at the end of the alphabet. So again, continuing my uh, trying to knock off my sort of hall of shame, as it were. So um, around here, one of the local cinemas, they have a thing where they t- they show older films, and you get to vote for them. So I got to go see The Shining for the first time on the big screen. Wow, I nice. So it was my first viewing. So randomly at TIFF last year, I had seen the documentary on The Shining, uh, Room 237. There was a moment right before they're showing it, and and Colin, who does the – he sort of does the programming for Midnight Madness and such there. He goes, you know, everyone who's – who hasn't seen The Shining? And it was was a full packed house. It was me and one other guy sort of sheepishly raising our hands like, why the hell are you here? You know, I'm like, yeah. So – and I managed to fix that. And just seeing that opening shot, the helicopter shot mm-hmm. on the big screen, like projected well, and just the sound and the score coming booming out. And well, I'm again assuming everyone has seen The Shining. Yeah, um, I, yeah it was the first time yeah. watch for me this year too. Oh, nice. nice. Well, that was that was the shot that they actually used with Blade Runner. Yes, at the for the the ending, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so Paul, where does it fall on your list? Is is that uh, going to spoil? I've got it here written down. The Shining was number twenty-two on mine. Okay. Oh, okay. Because okay. oh, uh, I did a list of thirty. So nice. So yeah, yeah it's not in my top ten, but oh, I, I really enjoyed it. Still, it's just cool. that there's that many decent films I've watched this year. It was a uh, it's hard oh, yeah, to put them in any order. Heavy really. hitters. Yeah. To this list, so, I mean, it was interesting because it's. It's one of those films where there's no surprises for me watching the film. I know pretty much everything that's going to happen. I know all the tropes and all the sort of little bits just from, you know, hell, Simpsons episodes and, you know, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. But it was just to still see it on the, in context, especially projected on a big screen with an audience. Right. Um, and it was a full house, too, which was nice. So nice. I've had nightmares about The Shining. I've had nightmares about the film, man. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah. 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 And I had the... You know, you're... Uh, Go ahead, Justin. Uh, okay, I was just going to say I had the uh, privilege of seeing this with a packed theater at, uh, a couple years ago because our theater around me does a uh, Monday night movie in the fall and spring. You know, they'll uh, screen classic movies, and they screen that the uh, day after Halloween because Monday – that was November 1st. Then it was a packed house, and right. we all just responded to it. It still worked, you know, and I had to talk – it's – it is an excellent film. I still think it's actually the only film I think that's like over two hours that I actually, right when I was finished watching it, I watched it again. Ooh. Right. I think the only one over two hours I've ever done, but it, I, it, I did it with commentary, so I was kind of cheating, but was with uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, and I immediately watched it with the commentary after on the criteria. I feel guilty. I feel guilty sometimes laughing when I, when I watch The Shining, you know, because especially like the parts when, you know, when Jack says, <laughs> I'm not going to hurt you, and right. I'm just going to bash your fucking head in. Yeah. You know, like, I, I can't help but laugh. It's uh, just, it's just, I, it's I really like, thought you, you were going to say that you can't help but laugh when you watch Last of Christ. <laughs> 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 it's a comedy. Why don't you put down that horse cock under the bar there? Uh, uh, you were like that when you watched Passion of the Christ. Can you imagine what the Mel Gibson commentary is probably like? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Ugh, he's crying. I, I saw the <laughs> Jews. Yeah. I saw the <laughs> and it was like, Passion of the Christ is like Christian porn. 
because oh, yeah. like, every time you know he was getting lashed, I could hear these Christian people beside me. They're like, oh, oh, oh. This lady beside me in the theater was just sobbing, just like snot pouring out of her face. Because I, I randomly went and saw that the day it opened, because they, they actually had a, a news local news coverage. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna see what this fucking movie's about. And the lady beside me was just like, oh, the whole movie. Yeah, I I, uh, I took my mother to go see The Passion, and it's still <laughs> the goriest movie I have ever seen in theater. <laughs> cool, well, Tim. Your Tim, your number. Uh, sorry, I, I just talked over somebody. I apologize. Um, we're yeah. We just John. Yeah. yeah, I was just about to say I messaged him. We lost John for. Oh, we reason. lost John. Okay, I'll get him back. So uh, uh, Tim, it was go the ahead. Christ but, talk. It was too offensive. Tim, your number five. All right. Um, I'm going to go to Japan here. 1995, a film called uh, Tokyo Fist. Shinya Sukamoto, the guy who oh. did uh, Tetsuo and Tetsuo 2. And, uh, this film, man, is total fucking war. It's an incredible, incredible film. This film is so under underappreciated or underrated in terms of Hello. how many people it influenced um, in terms of its editing uh, the cinematography and everything in it. Basically, the film is about uh, a love triangle where a guy has a fiance and an old high school friend of his shows up on the scene and starts macking on his fiance. So it turns into this kind of love triangle. But it, it actually, it's about boxing. Hmm. So these two dudes, these two dudes actually wind up going against each other for the love, the affections of this other girl. But the thing is, what he's done is he's taken the boxing ring and he's just turned it into uh, the environment of raw emotion, where it's like all this rage and everything that all the sexuality, everything that comes out, it comes out in the ring. And when these guys are going at each other, Jesus Christ, man, like after watching this film, you feel like you're going to piss blood. Because it's just, it's just so, you feel every blow in this film. Like, you know, and the sound, like, you know, the Foley work in this film, it sounds like these guys have, like, frozen hams, like, taped to their hand. This is directed by the guy who did Tetsuo the Iron Man. Right, right, right. Okay. But, but, but it's all in color. Like, you see the guy, you know, punch, like they're, like, hitting each other with, like, raw fists. And even with the gloves on, you can just feel it. It's like cement. It's like cinder blocks up against flesh, right? Like, Check you can feel out. it. It fucking hurts. Like, I watched this film. I had a headache afterwards. <laughs> like, nice. seriously. And it was just like, God damn it, man. But it's all about, you know, whereas, um, you know, there's been so many MMA films recently you know, like, and, and it's all about that brotherhood, brotherhood or, or like two two guys going against each other that don't want to go against each other. But or this Kevin one, James, or right, yeah. right, right. This one is like two two guys, two fucking bulls that basically just want to decimate each other. So it's almost like Armageddon, like you know, in the ring. It's just unbelievable, man. You got to see this film. I'll check that one out. I'll definitely check it out. Line. There's a fine line between beating a man to death and wanting to fuck him. Once you beat him down, you want to. You want to. Uh, you want to. Once he submits, you force him into submission. Did you ever see that uh, meme that was going around the uh, the MMA move, and then it was the gay porn thing? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see that. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Cool. <laughs> Justin, your I'll number five. I'll pick that up. It's only five pound on Amazon UK. So. Well, there you go. Oh, we have some time. Got to pick up, man. Grab it. It's amazing. 
Justin, your number five. All right, my number five is a uh, pseudo documentary, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, from the n- mid '90s, it's called American Job. It's from the uh, maker of American Movie. I can't remember his name right now. Mark Mark Borchardt. Yes, uh, they worked on this. It's a couple years before American Movie. It's I say pseudo documentary because it's kind of, it's film. Basically, how a regular film would be filmed, but it's kind of like shown almost in a documentary way, just without obviously talking heads. It's um, about a guy who, uh, you know, he goes to uh, a job after job, just menial kind of work, like working at a fast food restaurant or at a factory, working third shift, something I really relate to. And it kind of just really shows the depression and just the, just the, horrible almost nature of how these jobs can be on somebody's mental stability obviously they're almost all minimum wage like there's the one great scene where he just uh, like after a few days of working at the fast food restaurant he just pulls in and he goes to like you just see him sitting in his car and instead of getting out and going to work he just drives away and he just never goes back in outside having to pick up his paycheck and um and this one's extremely hard to find. Uh, for some reason, it's out of print. It never got a DVD release, despite the fact that American Movie ended up becoming big. Uh, there's only a few VHS copies, and they go for a couple hundred bucks. Um, I had to do a lot. I had to, not only did I have to do digging, I had to have friends dig for me. And I'm not going to even say anything, like tiptoe around this. We had to get this online. There's no yeah. If what? Answer, what? There's How no, dare you? Yeah, I know. How dare I take away the money from nobody that's making money off of this movie? So I had somebody <laughs> finally hook me up with a copy of this, and uh, it's excellent. It's great because there's a scene where he's talking to one of his third shift workers, and uh, it kind of almost is like a, a conversation I have with people because people are always fascinated by how we we third shifters sleep. But a lot of people are surprised yep. when I tell them I usually don't go to sleep when I get home. Uh, I usually you know stay up, and then I'll fall asleep you know early in the afternoon. And, and talk the one to me guy. Online. And then talk to you online. <laughs> and the one guy uh, is pretty close to that, actually. But he says, you know, what I always said to people is, well, when you get done with work, you go home and go to bed right away. And yeah, exactly. Part, yeah. People don't. It's just it, in obviously I mean, now I have to work days and nights. Like I, I do a day shift and I do a night shift, so I'm all over the place. So I have no sleep schedule. I just sleep whenever the fuck I can. But yeah. it's it is a great. Uh, I guess you can see the documentary, but I mean, if anybody's worked a retail or a, just a shitty minimum wage job, you'll just relate. To it. <laughs> you'll relate to just the doldrums of it, and I guess, and especially with the fast food, is the management obviously wants you to care more than you're ever going to, even if they don't really, you oh, know, yeah. mean that. And that's you have right loaf. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But but it's not it's not even so much as a negative because you know it's a job. It's just there's only so much that you can really push yourself to. Care I could come in enough to pick up the paycheck, but yeah, cool. Paul, you're number five. Um, I got a box set off my parents last Christmas, and it was um, Kurosawa's Kurosawa's Samurai box set. My number five is Seven Samurai. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, just a beautifully shot film. Um. Lovely little story. I love the way that it took the villagers in the movie a while to trust the samurai and what have you. And you know, it's just an all-time classic, isn't it? It's, it's good. It went straight into me top 10, 20 of all time, wow. without a doubt. And um, I'm now really looking forward to um, chew on some more um, Kurosawa with the rest of the box set. That's the only one I've actually watched out of it so far. So I think I've got another four or five movies in there to get through. 
you know what I really love about that is the fact that, you know, in the beginning, Mifuni comes off as the, the daffy bastard, you know, like they, they think yeah. that he's he's the one that can't get his shit together. And he's just, you know, like standing back and he, he turns out in the end to have the most sack, you know, like he turns out in the end to have the most heart is, you know, the wildest one is the one that actually, you know, it's kind of like the glue that brings them all together. I love that. I love that. Oh, yeah, it's just it's such a good movie. Like, it's faultless, really, isn't it? Like, I, you, you can't say anything bad about it. And it flies and along, really look- too, for something oh, so yeah. long. It's like three yeah. hours, oh, but it just yeah. whips along. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it felt like an hour and a half to me. I, di- I didn't even realise it was three hours. I looked at the time after I'd watched it and were like, bloody hell. Right. Yeah. And I was going to say, Paul, you were talking about Django earlier. Man, this film, to me, this is basically... You know the primordial basis for all of all westerns, man. All spaghetti westerns. Oh, def- all the- oh definitely, definitely. Everything, everything. It, it, with I've, I've I've talked about this before, but I I came to Kurosawa samurai films as probably my first experience with samurai films, and they did not stick with me at all. And I haven't. And I don't know if it's his pacing or what. I know you guys said that it zips along. It, now that said, it's been over ten years since I've seen any of them, and. Right now, I would say the samurai films I like the best are the more are the sleazier ones, or the ones that you know have lots of hands on the laser or something. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that, or or uh, or um, uh, lone wolf and cub, that kind of thing. But I need to. I I think after visiting enough, uh, you know, other stuff, you know, especially the the mid '60s kind of, you know, where Zama's saying the sword of doom and stuff, and getting more into that, I think maybe I could revisit uh, uh, some Kurosawa now, and and fair it would fare better with me. I think I think the thing with Kurosawa to really appreciate him. Well, this is just not for everybody, but I think that you know you watch one one of his films and then kind of back away for a little and just kind of mull on it and then come back and watch another one. Because I know a lot of people they'll go they'll get into a kick where they'll watch a whole bunch of Kurosawa at once mm-hmm. and then they'll be just like, eh, you know, it was okay. Because I think it, it you know you you've got to savor his films. I think that's the that's the key to it is you've got to watch one and then you know break it up. I think the for I've I've had troubles uh, for a long time with just I guess mid-century Japanese film in general, but it's good uh, recently that I'm getting more into that that era. So awesome. Uh, let's see, Lightning Bug, your uh, number five. Uh, number five. Uh, before I got rid of cable, I used to love to fill up my DVR with everything from uh, Turner Classic Movies. Uh, just usually based off of just uh, who was starring in it, and that's what happened with this one. Uh, I'm getting in the Wayback Machine here to 1937 for Black Legion. Yeah, I just watched yeah, this today. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's it's quite a good movie. Uh, kind of uh, uh, Bogart kind of joins a, a clan type organization, um, and it's kind of loosely based off real facts of this actual Black Legion that happened uh, in this area. And it's 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 a good uh, you know pre-World War II slice of what was happening in parts of America that we don't really think about. And I'm actually uh, glad you brought this up because one, I did just watch it today on a Warner Archive instance. It's good. But the one thing I was thinking of is, because, you know, the whole thing is it's a secret legion and, you know, builds up to if somebody, you know, lets the word out. It's a huge deal. And I thought, you know, that would kind of be hard to pull off today because people can't keep their mouths shut. So you know, if it happened today, somebody would go on their Facebook, just join the Black Legion, LOL. 
<laughs> Humphrey Bogart likes the Black Legion. <laughs> like Humphrey Bogart. Dante. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Dante. I, I, the only thing I'd have to say as a criticism on it is that like uh, Bogart's pretty broad in it. Like it plays yeah. pretty big, which yeah, is think, it's different from a lot of his other performances. Yeah, I mean, it, it can yeah. it does at times play a bit somewhat safe. But I got to say, I like the way that they ended with it because they could have went with a happier ending and they didn't. No. I mean, it was still somewhat happy, but I mean, it could have. I thought they were going a bit happier, like Hollywood sappish, and they didn't. But uh, you know, it's good stuff, and uh, I think I was kind of almost worried about was considering the time era. I was kind of like, I hope that this isn't gonna somewhat, even if unintentionally, kind of glorify their message about you know foreigners taking away jobs, but. Uh, it thankfully doesn't. I seriously thought about like if it does Humphrey that. I mean, Bogart like, loves the tea party. <laughs> what? But, I, mean, it, I mean, they're they're portrayed as obviously the bad guys, considering they are. Well, now, I mean, the, and see the to me, that's kind of bullshit. Because where I'm from, you know, a hero's a hero. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no I would have loved because I mean, this all starts about when he gets. Uh, Passed over a promotion and his job for foreigner, and Paul Reed is because of this. And I'm not going to spoil anything. He the, the reason he joins it is to go after the guy, and I would have laughed so hard if after going after the guy, he still got passed over for another foreigner, and it just kept happening. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a funny sequence of events. Yeah. The guy I got to join the Blacker Legion. <laughs> the Blacker Legion. <laughs> the really, really Black Legion. The none more Black Legion. Led by Rudy Ray Moore and Red Fox. (laughs) The Blacktop Legion. Wait, he went so he went so joining the Black Legion and then having to go to the Blacker Black Legion. He went so far that it's like what goes around comes around, and he actually like the Black Panthers. (laughs) I'm so upset about this. I would like to see Humphrey Bogart in the Black Panther movie. Oh, that would be awesome. Cool, John. You're number five. Um. Big head. Sorry, guys. I um, I actually <laughs> forgot. I said I was going to work early. Uh-oh. Uh, thank oh. Thank God for thank God for iPhone reminders because I'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so I'm just going to quickly list my last my bottom five if that's all right. Let's do it. Okay, quickly. Um, it is Valhalla Rising. Nice. Mm-hmm. Number five. Uh, yeah. Number four would be Hardcore. Oh yeah. Yeah. Number three. Frankenhooker. Nice. And the last two was a genre I've never uh, really been into, but I uh, decided to check out now that I have um, Netflix with the American uh, Netflix is uh, the Italian Euro crime genre. Yeah. Number two, live like a cop, die like a man. Yeah. yeah. And Almost number one. The Italian Connection. Yeah. yeah nice. Number one movie this year. That movie is awesome. Beautiful. Mario Adorf, man. That man yeah, yeah. is a god. Yes. Oh, what he sweat. A god who can headbutt. But he headbutts <laughs> the glass window oh, yeah. of that car, man. When he's got <laughs> the thing, fuck, that's the best car chase, man versus car, I've ever seen. <laughs> Awesome. Well, dude, John, thanks. Uh, I'm sorry you had to leave early, but uh, so sorry about this. I I completely forgot. Cool, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Well, uh, see you you later. Take it easy, guys. We'll pick it outside of your work because of this. Now, (laughs) (laughs) there's no stopping GM. The Black Legion. 
Zombie number five. Uh, my number five is Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Yes. yes. Two. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I saw this on uh, Jesus Christ. It wasn't even like it was some kind of in demand something or other. I don't know if it was oh, Hulu or what. But Upcast because I think they had them for a little. Yeah, while. it might have been. But this motherfucker, let me tell you something, people. Yeah, see. Um, <laughs> I like Godzilla movies, and I did not know, other than, you know, some of the crappy uh, Matthew Broderick uh, Godzilla version. Um, oh, don't you I, even go there. Don't you even know, go there. I, 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 I've already talked about it enough. Like, <laughs> I just happened to catch this, and I'd never heard of it. And I fucking thought it was freaking awesome. Um, the special effects were really good. And, uh, well, you know, I mean, they weren't the great. I mean, you know, I don't know. But they, they for me, they were fucking. It was entertaining as shit. Uh, Yamiko Shaku, who is the heroine, hero, heroine, whatever, uh, was just fantastic. I, I, I thought she was hot and cool. And um, I loved. Um, the atomic breath where, you know, Godzilla's uh, scales uh, on his uh, spine and tail and stuff start to light up. And just everything about this movie, I watched it like three t- – I watched it <laughs> the first time and then watched it again as soon as I turned it off and then watched it probably at least once or twice more and bought it. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. I love uh, this fucking movie. Another another good recent Godzilla film you'd want to watch is uh, – Godzilla Final Wars, which is kind of like a destroy all monsters modern era. It, it, it's, it's really good, pretty damn good. Um, but the reason you're going to want to watch it, and obviously I played this scene over well over 100 times, is now ever since obviously Roland Emmerich fucked with Godzilla in the American version, they name dropped it twice in the Japanese things. One of them, they mentioned the two team, a couple of teams were talking about Godzilla making it to New York, and the one going, no, 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 that was just some. Uh, copy wasn't that, him. Pe- yeah, that, that people thought was him. Well, in this one, because everybody started calling Godzilla, the American one, just Zilla, because you know, they took the god out of Godzilla. <laughs> so they actually have <laughs> Zilla transported from America to fight Godzilla, and it lasts all about 30 seconds. All the happens nice. Zilla runs at Godzilla, he like whips him with his tail, knocks him into a building, breathes fire, and just kills him. And I must, I no lie, I watched it about awesome. 100 times in a row. That's funny. I- I'm going nice. to watch that as soon as we get off here. Cool. It's good shit. All right. My number five. Um, this uh, has a character uh, named uh, Ocho Inoshika. And this started my love affair with uh, an actress named Raiko Ike. Oh, she's so good. This is Sex and Fury from 1973. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I never, when getting into the, I guess the pink genre, it's. I never thought I would call one of these films beautiful, but this fucking movie at times is just gorgeous. Yeah. Opening credits are fantastic. Yeah, the snowfall, the naked fighting. I mean, all of it's just really fucking good. I, this movie was super impressive. I watched this, and then immediately afterwards, I watched the um, the cl- the clan of the forgotten eight or whatever. Another really kind of off the wall one. Um, but this this movie's incredible. Um, I, I, you know, found it certain way. So this is one I still need to buy. But um, I will be revisiting this one. I, I was super impressed, and it has uh, Christina, Christina Lindbergh in it. Yeah, yep. checking, yeah. showing off the titties as usual. But, is um, I wonder if this is on Blu-ray because it would be no, nice to see. It's uh, there's a there's a fairly nice DVD of it from um, Synapse. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if it's on their blue schedule, but it would this and and the sequel. The sequel's actually. Is um not 
white is pretty, but it's even more lurid. Um, there's lots of uh, people. There's uh, a gang of prostitutes smuggling drugs by stuffing bags of heroin up the cooch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so that was my number five. Uh, let's see. We'll do. We'll go through one more round, then we'll take another break. So, Vish, what's your next film on your list? Which would be our. We're going into the fours. So this one is uh, from 1961. It's The Innocence, uh, directed by Jack Clayton. It's um. It's got Deborah Kerr, who looks stunning in this movie yeah, for me. Um, it's shot black and white. It's one. It's like a very old sort of classic ghost story. It's based on um, you know the Henry James Turn of the Screw. That yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's it's based on that story. Um, oh, a governess goes okay. to this British, uh, you know, old, old Gothic mansion in the in the the countryside. There's these two little kids, and she thinks they may be possessed by um, spirits of a uh, the old gamekeeper kind of thing um lots of you know shadow and light kind of stuff um atmosphere for days and days in this movie it's the photography the cinematography is fantastic i've only got the dvd i'm killing for the blu-ray though because i'm sure it's going to look stunning this, um, this one's on prime amazon prime for free if anybody has that ah, so. what's this one called the innocence, the innocence? not okay. like not like innocence but like people like the innocent plural okay uh, it's um it's a great little ghost story mm-hmm very nice. Cool. Deborah Kerr is really great in it. <clears throat> yeah, um, Jack Clayton, he directed uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. If, you know, some, That's uh, amazing. There right. is a Blu-ray of it, Vic. Yeah, there's oh, a no. UK one. Um, I've, got a, uh, I've, got right. the, I've got the Region 2 DVD. I've got to import the, the Region B Blu-ray. I just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, the BFI one, is it? Yeah, Yeah, the BFI one. It's got yeah. some pretty solid extras in there, too, if they put them over. Nice. We're trucking along. Tim, what's your number four? My number four is going back again, uh, 1947, Nightmare Alley. Oh, yeah. Tyrone Power. This is uh, another noir. I've been getting into a lot of the whole uh, darker detective stuff recently, and uh, this one's amazing, man. Like, uh, Tyrone Power, it basically all takes place in a carnival. It's about a guy who's a hustler and pretends to be a mentalist, and uh, he actually winds up, you know, uh, duping all these uh, rich people into believing that he can read minds and uh it's a real it's a real wicked uh wicked story about how you know uh a guy who's kind of like a roustabout in the carnival winds up uh gaining notoriety and he winds up crashing again and he becomes a circus geek and uh, it's it's a real uh it's a real uh wicked little story it's it's uh it's an amazing, amazing film to sit down and watch just for the characters. Uh, it's a real uh, character-driven story. But Tyrone Power, man, that guy was so solid in this. I really need to see more noir. It's it's a it's a genre I really I, mean, I can't think of one I've even disliked that I've seen. Granted, I'm probably seeing all the all the big hitters, but yeah, I'm um, kind of in the same camp as you yeah. are. Hey, it's a uh, it's a big blank spot for me. I don't don't even know where to start because there's just so many. Start with Jules Dassin movies if you want to there start. There is somewhere. Rafifi. I've got Rafifi here on DVD. I've still not gone around mm, to watching it. That's a great movie. Uh, Orson Welles' director's cut of Touch of Evil, which I watched oh, yeah. about a month ago, is great. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That's one of my a Mexican. Yeah. yeah, yeah it, you know what? It's funny. It's bad. It's almost bad casting, but it still somewhat. It still just works. Yeah, it certainly does. It, Por favor. Por favor. <laughs> Actually, if you really uh, there's a there was a documentary that was out a while back about uh, all the hell that Wells Wells went through to try to make Touch of Evil. 
And I mean, like, you know, he, he fought the studios tooth and nail for that film. Nice. And, yeah, and you know, I know but he's it, always had problems with studios. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just wait. <laughs> and, and fighting robots. Hey, <laughs> Unicorn is a great role, damn it. <laughs> I'm a planet. <laughs> who, else are you gonna, who else are you going to do to be a planet, really? <laughs> Justin, what's your number four? Uh, number four is another uh, uh, shame title, though. I'm actually glad I saved it until now, and that was uh, Port. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and the yeah. reason I am glad I oh, saved yes. it till Garbage. now, it, yeah, well, it's also because it obviously he's built up the reputation, not just as a great film, but you know, was you know kind of banned, and I think at one spot or he just developed a lot of controversy. So in thinking that it was actually ninety, but it was basically right after uh, the early nineties, and when I was younger, I always thought it was because it was very gory in that, and it's not that; it's because yeah. it's very disturbing. So I think if I would have seen it when I was like fifteen, sixteen, when I was into sla- more into slashers, I might have been disappointed. But now, I mean, I just was fucking floored by it. It's very creepy. Like I'm excited to meet Michael Rooker at Horrorhound Weekend and get him to sign my copy of Back to Back. But I'm still gonna kind of be tepid because he is just chilling in this. Is right, Henry. Actually, I think Otis. Otis is a lot freakier than Henry. Yeah, he is. is. Uh, Otis is too. But the thing is, Otis. You almost. It sounds. Oh, I hate to be stereotypical of him, but you look at him and you judge him by his cover because you can kind of get those vibes from him. He Henry, like he smells just from watching. Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. God, <laughs> and uh, what's your name? What's your name from uh, Roseanne? Is in that? Uh, oh shit. Uh, Roseanne Barr. No, <laughs> oh, the girl, the girl who plays yeah, Otis' sister. Was um, it Dar- Darlene and Roseanne, or she was one of the Becky? She was Becky. Becky she was yeah. Becky. Okay. Darlene was uh, two years. Yeah, the old. other. Yeah, yeah, the long-haired girl. Yeah, but she was Becky and Roseanne. Just the scenes with between her and Henry, uh, man, and especially the ending. You know, you love me, right, Henry? Yeah. 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 You know. <laughs> I, think, I think what makes it so creepy is the fact that Henry. <laughs> It can like in the beginning, he seems like a normal, you know, almost a nice guy. Like you could tell, he might have some type of anger management issues, or maybe he'd kind of be tough. But he so he seems very nice. Like he snaps on Otis when he, you know, is messing with his sister and kind of hits her. You know what I mean? But yeah. and so it's like when it's you know when his he really shows his true colors, like you said, the ending. It just it's very chilling. Yeah. Reminds me of an old joke where, you know, the guy and the girl are walking through the forest and the girl says, it's awfully dark out here. And the guy says, what are you complaining about? i got to walk back to the car by myself. Michael <laughs> 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 oh, Rooker was um, recently on. We had this um, show, a soccer show on a Saturday morning. It's a two-hour show called Soccer AM over here. And if somebody's in a film that's coming out over there or something, they, they do get a lot of um, Hollywood stars on there. And Michael Rooker was on this um, Soccer AM a few weeks back, and he really made me laugh because apparently he's really good friends with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they did this section on him where they said, like, right, who's the most famous person in your mobile phone? He says, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, who's the um, strongest celebrity, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> who's the dumbest celebrity, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Every question he answered, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which is <laughs> really, really funny. But he's such a doubt worth guy. He seems such a nice guy, but that film's brilliant, Justin. I really enjoyed it, too. Yeah. But what's interesting is you mentioned he's friends with Arnold. Well, I know one of Arnold's best friends is Tom Arnold. So now I have this weird like, I, like message of them. Uh, like They're out to dinner. It's just Arnold, Tom 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Arnold, and like Michael Rooker just just chilling, drinking yeah, beers. And- Let's share some sexual favors with your wife, Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Rooker, you take a mouth and take a butthole. And uh, as it looks, it looks like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is taking less. Digging deep in the hemorrhoids of Roseanne's butthole. <laughs> oh, 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 God. Could you, ima- could you imagine, and instead of Otis, it was uh, Arnold? No, but but Henry, but Henry, I really want to do it. I really, I really, I really, I really want to have sex with my sister, Henry. No, my sister, yeah, what an if, asshole. And I can imagine it being Tom Arnold too. But like, come on, Henry, I just, I like, I really want to have sex with my sister. Yeah, uh, uh, and so it looks like as of late, cocaine. it looks, it looks like as of late that. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is taking dieting tips from Tom Arnold. <laughs> yeah, God. Right, I Paul. did hear The Last Stand was pretty good, though. Yeah, it's awesome. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun if your name's not Loaf, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paul, what's your number four? Now you're taking binging huh. lessons from Pamela Anderson. Actually, that was me. I don't know why I said Pamela. I don't think she ever did. That was a weird... Paul, what's your number four? My number four... Is um, a Michael Mann film, Thief. Yeah. Um, that, I can I, we're going to just go ahead and say that's my number three. Nice. Oh, nice. Three, that's, that's an I love that too, yeah. And that is the last place that you want to be. <laughs> I, I love that fucking movie. And, and that's Man. the one that every, every time Will would say that, you know, Michael Mann sucked or whatever like that, I'm like, dude, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't agree with but him. he hadn't seen. He seen hadn't seen that, yeah. yeah well, Jimmy the way he's crowning glory. I don't think he's ever done anything. Yeah, as I think good. this is. It's one of those things. It was his first film, and I honestly think it's probably his best film. It's Jimmy Conn, man, you talk about having fucking stroke. Holy shit, that guy, man, like he, he's swinging a huge set through that whole film, man. It's just like, <laughs> oh god damn. I mean, he's the epitome of cool in that. You know, it's it's just like when he's trying to when Buddy's trying to get him to work for him when they're standing down there by the river, and he says, "Well, you come and work for us." He says, "I don't work for anybody. I work for myself." You know, it's just like that whole the whole attitude he's got. You know, and then when the guy's trying to basically buy him buy him in with the supermarkets, and he says, "No, that's not the deal, man." You know, and he and he's just you know holding his own through the whole thing. That 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 the whole film fucking rocks. It's just great. And Willie. Willie Nelson, who thought you know? <laughs> uh, Paul, have you seen have you seen uh, uh, Michael Mann's other work? I have I've seen um, Miami Vice. I've okay. seen he. I've seen I've yeah. got the Keep recorded, although I've not watched it yet. I I, I really That's enjoyed annoying. Collateral. I really okay. like Collateral. Well, I really like Collateral yeah. too. I thought yeah. that was yeah, fun. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love FIFA. I bought it for me um, brother for his birthday last year. I hadn't seen it. What? What I'm trying to do with him is I'll buy him films that I want to see, but that I think he'll like. <laughs> so, so then I get to lend the DVDs off him. But, and, and he had exactly the same opinion of me. He loved it as well. So, cool. yeah, no, it's uh, the, the score by Tangerine Dream as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, uh, man. So, what's, it, what's great is I watched like so many movies this year or in 2012 that were had the score by Tangerine Dream. And it's just I mark out every time because like they should like score almost every single film. Let's not forget that Jim Belushi ties it all together. Yeah, well he is actually he is good in this. He's good. Yeah, he is very good. Satin jacket. And uh, what's what's his name too? I'm trying to think of the old the old guy. Oh shit! Uh, 
the old guy who plays the dude, the dude who's running the uh, organization. Yeah, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, oh, we, we've Christ. lost Zach. Yeah, yeah Zach, I, I sent Loaf a message that Robert Zach. Robert Frosky. Robert yeah, Frosky. Yeah, he was the, way, the, way, the way he gets shot, he's like, this is hilarious. <laughs> cool. Uh, so good timing, uh, Bug. We're going to move to your number four. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm back just in time. Coming in at uh, number four is actually a TV movie. Uh, wow. mm, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I love TV Life, uh, Lifetime Channel. No, no, no. Yeah. Tiffany yeah. Amber Thiessen. No, better stars than Tiffany Amber Thiessen. We're talking whoa, Johnny whoa. Cash. We're talking oh, okay. Andy Griffith. Man, We're talking be- Murder in oh, Coweta County. Yes, that's a fucking hell of a nice. movie. I, it's a great movie. Uh, I got into really um, uh, when uh, after Andy Griffith died, I I started watching the Andy Griffith show until I watched all of them. Uh, but I also got really into wondering, you know, apart from uh, facing the crowd, what his other work would be like. Um, and he played some evil bastards. He was a bastard oh yeah, in this movie. Uh, and he was a serious evil bastard in this one. Um, and he made several in a row TV movies where he was a, a real evil douchebag. Um, but this one's just particularly fine. And um, you know, I mean, watching Andy Griffith versus Johnny Cash. It's pretty awesome. He did that uh, 70s biker film, Wildcats, that was yeah, made. Yeah, Pray for the Wildcats with uh, the, the Wild Brady Cats. Dad. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that Jenner. was a great one. Oh, yeah. He's got the Goldie Hawn football movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Pray for, the, Pray for the Wildcats is interesting because apparently Shatner says that uh, Griffith was like crazy drunk on set all the time. <laughs> And like, really got way too far into his character. So nice. I still would pay to see a movie where Andy Griffith and Johnny Cash have sex with Tiffany Amber Thiessen. I would. Yeah. And a threesome at the same time. But no, funny story uh, about um, Tiffany Amber Thiessen to tell you. Actually, Um, with Saved by the Bell being on Netflix at the moment, um, I've been watching a lot of the episodes with me. Some just so we so I don't have to watch cartoons. (laughs) <laughs> I try and put something that we can both watch on. And um, two two nights ago, me and the missus are in bed, and we my son shouts, uh, says, Mummy, I had a bad dream, a dream I want to tell you about. So she walks in with him, and I'm half asleep. Then she comes in. She says, you never guess what he's just said to me. He says, what? Well, he's been dreaming about Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Yes. Four. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, that'd that'd be a bad that sounds about right. It's a bad dream. <laughs> wait, wait. I didn't know Saved by the Bell was on instant. I gotta get fucking on that shit. Oh yeah, I've watched them all twice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> cool. uh, you know what's funny? You were talking about Johnny Cash too. Like, have you ever seen a film called Five Minutes to Live? Yeah, it's actually yeah, that's a good one. Door to door killer too. When he, he he's a, a salesman and he winds up killing people. It's great. Huh. Yeah, I, I like that, that one, like especially because like he sings a song to the woman about how she's got five minutes to live. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did shoot a man in Reno. Just <laughs> right. I did sing about it. Cool, Zom. Your number four. Number four, uh, Noah Baumbach's 2005 movie, The Squid and the Whale, with Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney and William Baldwin. I thought this this. movie was fucking hilarious. That was this Uh, when Jeff Daniels was a whale, or? He was fat, and he was sloppy with a beard, and he was so... 
it, it, it was basically uh, if you grew up with two parents that were so pretentious and you know very intelligent, but just kind of Jeff Daniels is an asshole uh, who just is uh, like. A narcissist in every sense of the word, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's just I'd never I'd never seen this movie. I bought it, I think, at fucking Horror Hound or something, and it sat there for a while. And then I, because I was like, you know, I don't know what this is about or whatever. But goddamn, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I've watched it about six times. <laughs> that movie floated around at Big Lots for a while. That's probably where you got it. Big Lots, dig Big it. Lots. I cool. still haven't seen it yet. I gotta watch it. Did you just buy it at Big Lots too, Justin? No, but I probably could have. Yeah, yeah. He took a I, shit well, at Big Lots. I was going to say, I took a shit. I, not only did I take a shit at Big Lots, but I even said on Action Traction, I clogged the fucking toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and, was and, that and, Big Lots or Big Logs? <laughs> I remember bit. where the fuck, if it was like uh, Dayton or Warren, Ohio or something, I can't remember where we stopped yeah. at Big Lots. And they had a, like in the toilet, Justin went in and took a shit. Or something, <laughs> and and I'm standing out there looking at Christmas trees, and then when he was done, I went in, and and there was like a wicker chair in there, yeah, right, right, right in front in of the, the stall. Yeah, no, it was in the stall. Which yeah, it was in the stall. That you could take somebody in, and they would sit and watch you shit, and had a cushion, and everything. Watch, <laughs> watch you drop a squid in a whale. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a big log. Well, first of all, maybe it's for like a somebody's taking their kid in there, but yeah, that's baby just a, or something. That up. It, just, it was weird. It just maybe that's Ohio their, is creepy. That's their break room. Cool. You know what? There was a cigarette in the toilet before no. I had to flush down. Nice. <laughs> All right, my number four. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, a Pedro Almodovar movie. Um, this is a big lots buy for me. Um, Penelope Cruz from 2006 in Volver. Oh yeah, and I, 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 you read you read the synopsis, kind of what this movie's about. I'm like, wait, you know, and this happens a lot with me with with Almodovar. I start to watch his movies or I learn about them, and I'm like, this can't be good, and then it ends up just being fucking amazing. Like, it's you know, the, the, as this movie goes along, the relationship oh. that forms. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> The relationship that forms between uh, the three women in it is just—it's—it's so good. Carmen Carmen Mara plays the mom, and uh, this this movie is—is—it's very good. And Penelope Cruz is just so beautiful in it, and um, she's she's really good. But if you haven't seen this one, what's that? Any lady boys? Uh, no. This one is lady boy free. This is all. I I think there are some there are some men in it, but like uh, every main character is a woman, so. Now, um, I wanted to say that I think Pedro Amodovar at this point could probably make an interesting movie about a guy doing his laundry. <laughs> you he would probably you somehow find a way to make it very sleazy. If you dig, it's probably been Sprotic. done already. <laughs> yeah. his, his next film, see, um, from the like twelve second trailer that's available, seems about it's like a really, really over the top camp. What about um, flight attendants? Wow. Doing laundry. That's... I will watch that. Flight attendants, big dicks. Now, will it be Denzel Washington in Flight 2, where he just <laughs> lands the plane with his big dick? <laughs> Flight 2, electric boogaloo. One of the wheels won't come down. Stick your dick out the window. 
<laughs> we'll use it as a wheel. Cool. Um, let's take a break here, and we'll come back. We're going to come back with our top three. We're getting down to it. Top three. We'll be right back. All right. Quick break. Okay. Ahoy, mateys. This is KAB, Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here, beaming a signal across the sea. I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. I'm still waiting to hear from that weatherman. But in the meantime, stay here with me. Be sure to visit our sponsor, Paracinema Magazine. They're the source for all your genre movie needs. Check them out online at paracinema.net. Tell them Stevie sent you. Keep me turned on for a while, and I'll do my best to do the same for you. The Smooth Sound. Fabulous. 3, or in Vicious' case, the last two and one. Uh, Vish, <laughs> what is your next film? Uh, well, we just <laughs> talked about it. The next one on my list was Thief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and Justin's That's, too. That was All my right. third, so I'm only have to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of covered it. It's, like I said, it was badass. The opening is fantastic. Um, Michael Mann kind of went downhill afterwards. Did I miss anything? No. Yeah. I like the I like the safe scene a lot. I like the sparks. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. She. Coaster's amazing. Everything about that. <clears throat> Justin, did you want to add it, anything to it? Uh, no, but it is. Well, no, but it is. Um, but yeah, one, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes. Here we go. <laughs> one thing is that it is definitely <laughs> an inspiration to <laughs> or drive a bit. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Just yes, oh, yeah. everything about it. A cross so, between uh, that and driver. Drive yeah. and driver. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we'll Man. move on to. Uh, We'll go to Tim and then you just yeah, skip Yeah, we'll go to Tim's number three. All right. When I was a kid, uh, they used to have on PBS there, public television, my granny Saturday nights used to let me watch this uh, show, and it started off with animation with a big, giant animated foot, and there was these uh, <laughs> yes. naked ladies with wings that would come out. And I never knew what it really was, but I started watching it obsessively, and then I heard about this guy named Terry Gilliam. And then, you know, year, years later, I got to enjoy uh, many of his films. But one film that I never got to enjoy of his or I always kept putting off was uh, Baron Munchausen. Oh. Mm. Uh, I didn't and, uh, I've part of that. I mean, was Sarah Polly, right? Tim? Right, right, right. I always thought it was a kid's film because, you know, but of course, Gilliam's always been that kind of, there's elements. It's, it's like Time Bandits. There's elements that are for kids. And then when you actually sit back and watch it as an adult, you're like, eh. 
good. This is a little dicey sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. But I just got the Blu-ray for like three bucks here, and oh um, shit, nice. It's fantastic, man. I mean, you know, Gilliam always to me, and I mean, a lot of people may not see it, but to me, he always reminded me of like Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, that yeah. He's he's always got that kind of thing that that the craft. Like he 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 really he's meticulous about what he does, and he, he like Munchausen takes me back to like watching Jason the Argonauts as a kid and like Sinbad and that kind of thing. It's just yeah. you can get lost in it, and it's just really fun. And I, yeah. I just I really really enjoyed it. Even his films that aren't like great always have a certain aesthetic that works very well. Right. The only one is honestly that I've seen that I never really liked was Tideland. Okay. And that was okay, but it was just uh, it was it was kind of a little too a little too off kilter for me. But everything else that he's ever done, I've really liked. Yeah. And uh, I'm actually going to drop a bombshell on everybody. I've never, yes, I've never seen Brazil. <laughs> what? Oh man! rectify that this year. No, I, listen, I haven't seen it either. Okay. You oh, piece of shit, you son of a bitch! You're, <laughs> You're out. Yeah, actually, I wouldn't want the Criterion. Like, it kind of pisses me off sometimes, that this whole thing about the double dipping between DVDs and Blu-rays. Like, years yeah. ago, I, I got the the uh, Brazil box, the Criterion box, with all the versions in it. And now, apparently, the Blu-ray of the box, it's got even more. Yeah, I think yeah. The, I think Criterion's put the fucking Brazil out, like, four times. I think it's been on Laserdisc, on DVD, like, three times, right. all different sizes. There's, like, a four-disc right. version, two-disc. Right. Yeah. But it just pisses me off sometimes that they they won't, the, they won't put the same supplements. Like it's like yeah. no, you, you you know if you want more, you got you know you got to buy the blue of it. And it's like yeah. shit, no, flipping motherfuckers. That's God. actually kind of why I'm not really buying as many like DVDs or Blu-rays anymore. Like the only stuff I really buy on like DVD or VHS anymore is just like random shit I find at like thrift stores and that. Just because it's like I just every time I feel like I buy something. It's like the special features. There's going to be something that comes out later that's going to have even yeah. more special features. Right. I, right. Sometimes I'll wait. Like I waited to buy Watchmen uh, for a little while, so the two disc set extended cut came out. And of course, I was like, I should have waited for that like big Watchmen set. But <laughs> that's like eight dollars now. <laughs> yeah, that's, which I can get now for like eight bucks. But the, that that and they're just taking up space. But yeah, so it's like, or even then, half the time I'm like, if I really want to see these special features, I can just go on YouTube. Oh yeah. Right. 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 So to cool. be fair, every time I want a specific uh, special feature and I go to YouTube, it won't be on the internet or any internet site. It's like, okay, now I actually have to go buy it. And then when I buy it, somebody puts it up on YouTube. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Justin's number three is Thief. Uh, so, Paul, we're going to your number three. Okay. When I rang in the GGTMC with this list of my top 30, my number three, although a very good film, it was – not the right one, and when I realised my mistake, I messaged Will and said, on air, if you do ever play this voicemail, can you correct it? Um, <laughs> but he never did when they played it last week. So, <laughs> my, my, um, that motherfucker. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> so, when I rang in, it was fistful of dollars, but I actually meant a few dollars more. Yeah, you're here to hear first. Fuck you, GGTMC. <laughs> um, it's um, oh, it, it, for me it's better than um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, yeah, I can't remember yeah. the bad guy's name in it, but he is one of the best villains of all time. What's his name? 
could anybody remember off the top of the rest? Like uh, you're talking about Lee Van Cleese character or India? No, 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 India. Yeah, that's India. it. That's it. India, yeah. Oh, it's just so good, and yeah, it's definitely my fa- favorite out of the trilogy. I got the India trilogy. Looked the- like he was gonna fucking come or something when he killed people. <laughs> he got that weird <laughs> look on his face. He liked and, it. Um, he liked speaking it. of uh, Lee Van Cleef, Paul, uh, since you're getting into westerns, I just watched for the first time a few weeks ago Sabata. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Check that one out. I just finally got around to watch it. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Actually, grab, grab the Sabata box. It's pretty cheap. You can get all three of them. It's amazing. Oh, I want to get a uh, pocket watch that has the, the musical chimes in it. So that, like, when I you know go to the grocery store or something, I'll be like, when this music stops. You know, no, you know what's funny? The I, I, I actually, I went to, uh, there's a, a guy there's a guy at the flea market here that sells pocket watches. And I've asked him, I was like, do they make a watch that plays music when you open? He's like, I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> I was very disappointed. I was like, damn it, I wanted that. Yeah. Um, damn thrift shop guy breaking your dreams. The, uh, I will say this. I think that uh, Lee Van Cleef was cooler in that movie than Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I agree. Douglas Mortimer. Lee yep. Van Cleef was cooler than fucking anybody, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go on record and say Lee Van Cleef is cooler than Clint Eastwood, period. Uh-huh. He doesn't, he, he's not talking to motherfucking empty chairs. <laughs> no, exactly. The, uh, I think what, the, what helps the two other Dollars movies is that they're a little faster paced and not as drawn out as, as Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, um, right. The you know, granted, a few dollars more is over two hours long, but I think Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is knocking on three hours and, you know, you got to be in for it for for that. That's you, see, you know, what's really sad, kind of, is that like back in uh, the late seventies, uh, early eighties in Canada, Lee Van Cleef and Jack Palance actually used to do advertisements for a muffler company. Yeah, <laughs> those are on YouTube. Nice. They come out. They come out in their you know in their gear, and it'd be just like you know. I don't know if I can fix that car on time. You know, gotta get to the seat on time, preacher. I need my muffler fix. Do you ever see Bronson's uh, uh, Mandem Mandem. commercials? That's so great. He fucking bathes in that shit. (laughs) They got got pulled. I don't know why. They disappeared off YouTube. They were too macho. Uh, yeah, yeah they were too mandem. <laughs> too many women uh, getting pregnant. Everyone. <laughs> we have to uh, backtrack real quick because I have to make a really corny and cheap joke. But uh, I got the when, uh, Loaf, when you said about the uh, Clint Eastwood, you said Lee Van Cleef uh, never had to talk to an empty chair. And I said, yeah, unlike Clint Eastwood, like, uh, what are we talking about? Screenings of trouble with the curve? <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just didn't like the movie. And I still, uh, I you knew I had my finger over the button, and you went with it anyway. Yeah, Good job, buddy. I had to do it. I told you. I, yeah, I prepared you. I told it was a corny joke. The following I had to has been does not reflect the views of the Silver and Gold Pipe. Uh, okay, uh, Bug, you're number three. Uh, number three comes from one of my all-time favorite directors, Sam Fuller, and I'm talking oh, yeah. about 1964's The Naked Kiss. Oh, yeah. I just watched this recently. Yeah, it's a, this is a great little movie. I think it's just come out on Criterion pretty recently, actually. Um, and um, it's basically about a, a prostitute that tries to stop being a prostitute and, and move on with her life, but she keeps kind of that old stuff is haunting her anyway. Does that um, does that Criterion have like a look like Daniel Close artwork on the cover? Yes, right. it is. Okay, yeah, I, I need to see that. I, I want to see that. Do. 
uh, which Shot Corridor I also watched this year and was very impressed by. Both those movies are very good. But I, I just I love Sam Fuller. I love everything he's I've seen that he's ever done, and this is no exception. I don't know if I've even seen any of his movies. Uh, the one I would most recommend because it's my favorite is uh, uh, Pick Up on what is it Pick Up on South Street. Pick up on yeah, South. okay. Tons of Fuller either. I, th- I thought I did. I don't oh man, the name's familiar. Tons of Fuller. Yeah, White, Dog. White Dog. That's another great one. I, I know yeah. of White Dog. I just haven't watched it. It's been on my uh, to watch list for a while. Big Red One. Yeah, Wait, is Red White Dog one. the one with the racist dog? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> We've talked about reviewing that one on the show. Yeah, yeah that's a good film. Get me on to do that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, fuck you. No. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Zom, you're number three. My number three is a documentary about two. Uh, German brothers who are speed climbers, mountain climbers, and uh, it's called To the Limit or Am Limit from 2007. Uh, This fucking thing was on Netflix Instant Watch, and I think it might still be. It's just a really good documentary. It's uh, directed by and written, well, written, written uh, by Pepe Danquart. Uh, But anyway, these two guys uh, are very charismatic uh and like i said it's just one of those ones where you know you really like a doc if you i mean i'm not a mountain climber i'm not a speed climber or anything like that didn't know anything about it and it still held my interest and really i watched it like about three times um the um the thing is that they, they they do like a team mountain climbing thing and uh like if there's a some kind of uh, big rock surface. Uh, they'll there they'll be like world records on who has climbed it the fastest. So they take a lot of a lot a lot a lot of chances and everything that they normally wouldn't take. And just the cinematography and everything, it really puts you on edge and on the edge of your seat. So I recommend cool. it. All right. Yeah, I love documentary, so I'll put it in there. All, All right. right, my number three. Um, I need to look up here. It, this is um, my newest uh, film in my top ten. Um, from uh, IMDb says twenty ten. I think it was probably twenty eleven for most people. Uh, this is I don't know where for, it, it, it's in French, but I think it might have been like French Canadian. But this is Ansandi. Uh, oh, so good. Um, Quebecois, yeah. This yeah. and anybody that's seen it, all I have to say is bus scene, and they know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. It's fucking oh, just brutal. Oh, it's a it's a chop in the dick. That one. I need to see that still. Well, uh, so do I, especially. It's gonna chop what, my dick. What what got me <laughs> <laughs> like those chops? How do you spell this? I'm trying to look it up. Um, incendies. I n c e n d i e s. Um, this, what I, what I really, really loved about it was you're getting two stories happening simultaneously and you are, um, I really loved how the daughter is like traveling, basically traveling the path of her mother unknowingly and, you know, seeing her walk in the same places and everything. It's just, it's, it's remarkable. It was a really good fucking movie. Um, I wish I had seen it the year it came out. I know it was Oscar nominated for uh, best foreign film. And I, I forgot the one it lost to, which I quite liked too. But I think I, after seeing this, I like this one better. So um, definitely, definitely, definitely worth worth checking out. Ansandi, very good. Didn't the producers um, make Monsieur Lazare? Uh, uh, the producers of this movie. 
Did they? I don't know. Monster Lazar is another great one. Um, yeah, there's, I just, only, uh, there's only so many producers in Quebec. I mean, it may have been. They just every movie is just produced by one. No, <laughs> no but um, but yeah, I can at least vouch for Monsieur Lazar. That one's really. Fun. Monsieur Lazar is, is a great solid film. That's on yeah. Instant. Yeah, they can check that one out. That was it's a that one's a that one's not as heavy as this as as this. It's a it's a no. it's more of a but cute it does, movie, but it yeah, has but it has still, heavy stuff. But. It has heavy elements. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I think works in its favor yeah i like that one a lot cool um we're down to the last two this your next one uh so my next one i guess is um 1970 it's from the, from the czech republic it's a ballerie and her week of wonders oh we got an echo hang on i got echo here what am i doing wrong fuck uh that you i think it's coming from tim from me well hold up speak now vish uh is that better yeah, we're good. I think yeah, we're good. All right. Picking up on somebody's so, mic. Did you hear the title? Uh, no, go ahead and do it. say it again. So it was uh, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders. Um, I would say the title in check, but I will butcher it. Do, it, from... do it. Do it. Do it. All right. Uh, it. Valerie et Tidien Divu. That sounded fucking awesome to me. Give me a word on it. has a boner, everybody. It's from... From well, I guess it would have been yeah, Czechoslovakia back then. Um, it's based on a old sort of folktale. It's a girl's coming of age story. Uh, it's just girl Valerie. It's basically about she gets her period and, and the crazy dreams that happen on the way there. Huh. Um, but it's also really weird. It's like a very surrealist fairy tale. I mean, mate, I, I would sort of almost double bill it with something like um, the Company of Wolves. That, so taking old folk tales and there's um an evil witch character who looks like if you ever seen the Aphex Twin video for Window Licker, where the guy has the, <laughs> the weird face, it looks like that. Um, and she's sort of moving around, and it's people from her real life are mixing into this dream world. It's sort of very Alice in Wonderland-y. Um, incredibly surreal, but also just incredibly beautiful. What's, the, what's the name of this again? Uh, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a kind of crappy... Region 1 DVD. If you can do uh, Region 2, there's a really nice uh, DVD out of the UK that's quite cheap and um, has a great set of uh, liner notes and such. Um, The soundtrack is also absolutely gorgeous. Um, And again, if you're big on liner notes, which is kind of nerdy, but I am um, into liner notes and nerdy, um, the the soundtrack comes with uh, notes from um, the girl in broadcast. It's sort of got that whole kind of that kind of vibe, as it were. Very cool. um, like spooky and weird and pretty as hell. Man, I'm scratching all over this little piece of paper that I put everybody's names on to remember the order. But I've got uh, in the margins. Oh. I've just right been scroll- scrolling down these movies. So awesome. Uh, let's see, Tim, you're number two. Okay, we're gonna look at a film uh, that I knew a lot of people were really into, uh, but uh, it took me a long time to get to, to this. Uh, it's called oh, the yes. American. The American Astronaut. Yes. I just put yeah. this in my uh, queue, so that's good to hear. Larry McAbee, yeah. You know, th- th- this really, I, I didn't know how to how to approach what expect going into this, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's almost like watching a play. Like, in a sense, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's a film, but it's all done like a production. Like, it's right. almost like something, if you've ever seen any of the work of, like, The Residents, or uh, or even the early uh, Lynch films, it's kind of got that stark, kind of off kilter, you know. But it's all black and white. But it's just phenomenal, and, and the songs are just great in it. I yeah. mean, to tell you the truth, I'm not really much of a musical guy. 
You know, I'm, I'm not, I've never really been into films with music, but well, yeah, aside from, rock. you know, shit like, you know, I love Yellow Submarine, the kids are all right, help, you know, like the standards, but I've never really been into musicals. But this, this is something I really dug into, man, because I, I just thought it was just, a, it, it's a, it's a neat film and it's just, it comes off like a daydream. Like, it's just kind of like a total, total trip. Man. The, um, uh, when this film was out, they actually, uh, they would tour with it. I think they only had one print. So the band would actually play the musical numbers live at the screening. So uh, the, uh, uh, what's his name? Corey McCabe or something like that. But I forgot the name of the, yeah, the band. So, oh, the Billy Nair. Billy, Billy Nair, Nair show. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I've actually caught his uh, his sequel to it, Stingray Sam, and he's working on another one too. Nice, uh, Werewolf Hunters of the Midwest or something like that. I I forget the name of it now, but yeah, it was it was really uh, something something to behold. It was a good film. Zom, that's the punk rock western we should have reviewed instead of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> dudes, that guy's uh, gonna be a uh, horror hound too. Uh, a robot no, I'll say with John Cryer. Fuck, uh, what a turd. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you guys didn't like dudes though, because when I gave it a C, which to some might be generous, I got shit on by a lot of people because you know. Dude, I did people. not just not like it. I fucking <laughs> hated that that movie. It just, uh, just did not work for me. Talk about not working for me. Yeah. Be fair, Robot. To be fair, Robot was really good in River's Edge. He's been good yeah, in a lot yeah. of shit. I mean, he used oh, like yeah. nowadays that he's gotten older, he plays like cops and stuff in a lot of movies, big burly cops. But goddamn, man, that movie! I mean, it wasn't yeah. just him. That movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, we, if we bump into him at Whorehound, should we just say, "Dude sucks"? Dude sucks. Oh my god! What the fuck was up with dudes? <laughs> cool, Christ. Justin. What's your number two? My number two is uh, a new Pantheon GGTMC film. It's Train to Kill. Holy fucking shit, did I love this movie. <laughs> Train to Kill. Wait, what is this one? What is that? Train to Kill a Storm with Robert Zadar. Um, Henry, I believe Henry Silver was in Frank this game. Zagarino. Potter. I've seen this movie. <laughs> this movie yeah, it's Train to Fucking Kill, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. This is... This is this is replaced Commando for me. Commando is always the action. This is going to be one of one like the action film that I could just no matter what bad mood or any mood I was in, I could just put it on and have a good time and just you know and just have a blast. This has replaced that. It's got a fucking great cast. It's just balls to the wall with action and just kind of like that. Just a good type of humor, and I don't even give a shit that you can see boom mics and all that. I, I don't really <laughs> care. Right, that just adds. To its charm, this thing is like a masterpiece of its kind. Not a masterpiece like a Citizen Kane, but a masterpiece of like straight to video action films. And the fact that like something like this just kind of like came out of the blue for like this whole group this past year or so, I'm glad and thankful it is. But it's just it's almost, uh, kind of almost amazing considering the cast it has, even nice. if it is a uh, lower bit of cast, but. But oh man, I got it! I love this film. You know, you know what really pisses me off anymore, really makes me mad, is the fact that there's no more drive-ins because you know, yes, this, this would be a kind of film, man. Like you know, that would be totally wicked out of driving. You know, like I, oh. I tell people, I say, you know, there's a lot of films that aren't bad. It's just that they're driving films and there's no drive-ins anymore. Well, the, the, I there hate are some. Well, there are some <laughs> drive-ins, and I know this. Because, 
I noticed because uh, we used to have one close to us, and they were just obviously showing new movies. But actually, there's apparently one that's like five hours, like four and a half hours away from me, and they're actually doing in April. Uh, one night they're showing like a couple of like, 80s horror movies like Return of the Living Dead, Friday the 13th and all that. And then the next night they're showing Sugar Hill and some other black exploitation films. So I'm like, I am te- I, I'm almost feel tempted to drive four and a half hours just to attend that, but I won't, but I feel tempted. V- Vish, why do you hate drive-ins? I maybe I have no childhood recollection of them. They, they, something I came to very, very late in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my missus, she's from out in the country, and they had drive-ins there. So she's like, oh, we should go. It's great. And I'm, you know, a snob. I'm the asshole that we went on one <laughs> date. And we went to the movies, and I le- we said, no, we can't. We have to leave because I couldn't get the seat I liked. Um, so we're at the drive, and she's like, isn't this great? I'm like, no, the screen is terrible. I can barely see. I've got this shitty radio for the sound. Oh, it's summer. It's summer in Ontario, so it's hot. She I open didn't the put out. Oh, it's, it's exactly. It's like, I, I'm, I'm a grown-up. I'm my own place. Like, if we want to have sex, we can do it at home. For fuck's sake. <laughs> well, I do have nostalgic memories because, well, obviously, I didn't get the drug that you guys God, it was just at that time, for the most part, they'd still put like blockbuster in that. That would be, considering we came from a low income, that would be the way that we would go see movies a lot more often. Mm-hmm. Right. With three yeah. movies. But I still remember, and it wasn't my parents who took me, I still remember uh, to tie into Godzilla. I remember seeing the American Godzilla at the drive-in, and I had seen oh, quite wow. a few Godzilla films on TNT and all that stuff, and I remember we were, di- me and my friend were disappointed in that actual Godzilla, and I can still remember because we went home after that, and I remember they showed another film after Godzilla, and it was that Mr. Magoo movie, and all I can think of is if I would have <laughs> stayed and watched that, that would have been the beginning of the Cinemascus right there. <laughs> you could have written your book six years ago. <laughs> we, oh, man. Yeah, Mr. we used to get every long weekend we get those dust till dawns you know and i think one of the best ones i ever saw that i remember was uh enter the ninja was first shokusugi then it was uh first nightmare on elm street first halloween and then dawn of Damn. the dead i would have loved to have seen that i i wonder that ours closed down i think yeah 2005 was our last year because they just they couldn't keep up money. What pisses us off? They said they were doing it because we did turn a profit, but not enough. And they were going to build like some. It went from saying they were going to build a mall to building a strip club, which would have been kind of cool. Um, but they have done nothing with it at all. I've, ne- I've never even been to real estate these days, and unfortunately, I've never yeah. been to a drive-in, so I, don't, I have no frame of reference, and there's none around right. here anymore. So. The South? I, I, we did not, as far as I know, we did not have one near where I grew up. And my parents, I mean, it's I've got a, I had a weird movie upbringing because I had to just watch stuff on TV because I never went to the movies with my parents. So uh, huh. I could count the number of movies I've seen with my with my mom on one hand almost. And but my dad, we we just never went as a family to see movies. So I don't honestly, I don't even know if there were drive-ins near us when we were growing up. I'll be honest, I've missed drive-ins so much that, and I'm going to do it again. Summers, what I like to do when like a nice hot summer night, I'll like hook up, I'll get some extension cords, and I'll take my laptop out into the the porch with me, <laughs> and I'll just stay out all night watching like like driving movies out my dog will come out with me we'll just sit on the fucking porch and we'll watch like i watched that's how i watched silent rage the first time nice. i watched it out out on my porch just in the middle of the night and of course everybody every now and then somebody will leave to go to work in the morning and just look at me i'm like what's up <laughs> i just fucking chuck Norris. cool and speaking of i'm sure speaking of drive-in fair paul what is your number two my number two is the Friends of Eddie Coyle? Yeah, yes. I hate myself for not watching it yet. <laughs> just buy, um, hey, buy the criteria. So just buy the Criterion, Justin. Yep, I uh, I did see it. 
illegally because a friend of mine had downloaded it. <gasps> I didn't download it. I didn't download it myself. But a friend of mine you are not did. a friend of Eddie Coyle, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I am planning on buying it. On crack. It's so good. I mean, yeah. Robert Mitchum and um, Peter Boyle, is it? That's his name. Peter uh, Boyle is such a scumbag in it, isn't it great? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's horrible, but oh, it's, just, it's, it's amazing. Is, is it, was it a PT8 film, the same guy who did Bullet? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, no, wait, Yates? No. It's not Yates. I don't. I don't remember honestly. That was his. Uh, that was his son that did that. All right, really. I think it was his son that did that. Oh no, Jumped Peter. It. Peter Yates. Yeah, this yeah, Yates. Yeah, yeah. I've got the novel ready to read. I heard the novel's really good. So. Because John, I'm thinking John Yates. John Yates was the one who did the uh, uh, Universal Soldier. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's his the son. Old, yeah. But more importantly, Peter Yates directed Krull. That's what you can't oh, yeah. <laughs> now, What I can't understand with this is why is there been no Blu-ray release of it or more ma- or more of a mass release? Like it, it's I'm not ass- available. All- I'm assuming Criterion's going to do a double dip for the Blu-ray next year. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after yeah, after Killing Them Softly was out this year. I mean, that'll, that'll yeah. be a good time after that. Get the Higgins name back out there to uh, release a Blu-ray of this. Well, that's, in their case, I guess, I don't know if maybe Killing Them Softly's before Fox Office performance is going to hurt that idea, but hey, it can make good money on DVD, so. I like I liked that movie quite a bit. I think people went into that one thinking it was going to be like a big like, action-y, like, shoot a bunch of yeah. people with shotguns. I, I'm thinking all, about, because so. uh, they're playing it at the uh, Cheap Theater, so I was thinking, because I'm going to take my nephew to see Record Ralph shortly, so I think maybe after I'm done doing that, maybe I'll... I'll sneak him into a showing of killing them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, once I drop off, I might go back and see killing them softly because I got it in. Cool. All right, Bug, you're number two. Number two, number two, number two. We're talking about two of my favorite actors, and that would be Franco Nero yes. and Fabio Testi. Yes. In I Guapi. Never seen it. 1974. <laughs> I want um, it is. It's a period gangster film kind of the the guapi were like uh that means like straight razor and they were uh yeah. like gangs that went around with with straight razors and uh uh fabio testi is is the cousin of franco nero's character who's trying to become a lawyer and go straight and everything and fabio testi is of course trying to get him into the mob and give him trouble and whatnot and of course they're both in love with claudia cardinal oh i am too <laughs> me too you know, who can blame him so, um, what year is this movie? 1974. 74. How do you spell uh, it? I-G-U-A-P-P-I. Got it. <laughs> That's how you spell it. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it's, it's a super good movie. This is one. I don't, I don't even know if it's available. I got it from someplace. Um, that, that someplace is great. Yeah. It's someplace really is great. But it's I was just looking, this is the only movie until Letters for Juliet that both has Nero and Testy in it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So if no, you want to uh, see those two powerhouses in one movie together, that is not a terrible romantic bullshit movie. This is it. At the very least, if you watch Letters for Juliet, you no, well, I gotta talk though. That somewhere is a great place, but sometimes, like an uh, American job, I had to go to parts unknown somewhere to just find a copy. Yeah, so, yeah. sometimes you guys gotta you gotta go all over. 
Did you see the spoiler and the mass superstar? Yeah, I see the Ultimate Warrior too. And, Parts uh, unknown. I see the Ultimate Warrior as well, and then uh, he was press slamming uh, William Smith and Hogan. Uh, Hulk. Zom, what's your number two? My number two <laughs> is uh, Universal Soldier Regeneration. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it, I need to see this movie. Uh, <laughs> I had never seen this, and then when Loaf started talking about having nightmares after watching it, I was like, fuck, I gotta watch this, Jesus Christ. And um, John Hyams, uh, who is the son of Peter Hyams. That's uh, what I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he is the director of this. He's the one that's that has taken the Universal Soldier franchise in a different direction. Uh, a lot, uh, well, I mean... This movie is straight up shot almost like a fucking horror movie with the music and shit. Mm-hmm. And um, um, uh, I, I like it simply because it is so fucking dark and crazy. And um, even though Van Damme as Luke Devereaux is, I guess, the hero, is it's not – it's not just straight up, uh, you know. He's the hero, and it's it's just oh, he's got the dead eyes. <laughs> he has the fucking dead eyes, and man, does he have the dead eyes in uh, Day of Reckoning too? Yeah, but uh, just, our, uh, Kurtz, he's all, he's almost like Brand, playing Brando as Kurtz. Yeah, you know? in in Day of Reckoning, yeah. in this yeah, one. Yeah. He's he's I like the concept of this one uh because like I said it, it just kind of reminds me of almost like a a pit bull rescue kind of a thing where they they take these fighting dogs and uh and uh, they they're trying to see if they can deprogram them and have them be like a normal person with Van Damme's character and Dolph showing up he he doesn't have a huge part in it but when he does show up he fucking uh I often think of uh the meaning of life and all of a sudden they're like uh yes yeah he's he's awesome in it uh his part's awesome uh just the stunts uh where it takes place and everything um yeah this this was definitely a loaf uh hit uh uh, home run for me and um yeah i liked it and i didn't even know uh this john hyams um i had watched the documentary smashing machine about um uh, MMA, MMA. And, uh, and it's a really fucking great documentary and he did that and god I saw that years and years ago because it was about Mark Kerr and he uh, you know that was uh, quite a while ago in right. MMA so anyway <laughs> this is a really good movie uh, uh, good action movie uh, like I said kind of he gives it a really creepy feel almost a nightmarish yeah, yeah. kind of feel so every, and, time if you you see, want, every time you see Dolphin it I just expect him to say Fire bad! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Frankenstein. Exactly. He, really, he really is. He yeah. just got this little Frankenstein thing down to him, you know? It does, though. The 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 movie does have almost kind of like a Frankensteinish kind of feel yeah. too. Right. So, the, the only problem they, I had with it was it wasn't fucking violent enough. You know, it's just I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see guys get their faces like punched in, like. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's Ugh. the movie. Yeah, yeah I, I, that, the fist come off uh, with the face stuck on the fist. It really <laughs> I did. Just, I really did that have in the one, that. In the second one, both reminded me a little bit of uh, the story of Ricky. 
Oh, <laughs> the, the violence, yeah. The uh, yeah, it, like, it really did give me a, a nightmare of somebody chasing me. So it was. Uh, like, are we talking like punishing your dad? kind of violence? Yeah. Well, it's more yeah, it's well, more I'm grounded though. I mean, it's like this oh, violence okay. could ha- like all of the violence that happens in the two movies you could actually see happening, minus maybe the how Dolph meets his end yeah. in, in the first yeah, one. Yeah. But, yeah, but that was so awesome though. Still. It's it's awesome. Really cool. It's all like bludgeonings. It's all like bludgeonings and like just brutal, like just yeah. you know, little body blows and everything. But you feel it, you know. I need to see these. I, I, and then, yeah. Hey, now look, I want to ask you something. Uh-huh. Uh, in these nightmares, is it your father that is chasing you? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. If I ever dream about my dad, it's usually a fight. It's not running from something. Oh, Although me once, too, all the time. Yeah, God. I'm always yelling at him or punching him. Um, I think that um, Loaf confided to me that it was Andre Arlovsky chasing him with a big heart on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I, and I was playing coyly like, no, get away. He was going to bludgeon him. <laughs> your dad's in the corner fucking fat. What are you, a faggot? What are you, a faggot or something? Would it be universal soldier repenetration? Universal soldier. They should know how much it is on... In America to buy on Blu-ray this, but um, over here in the UK it's three pound forty-nine. Yeah, on Blu-ray. I, it's, oh, it's, it's worth picking things. up. I think it's cheaper for me to import the UK blue than it is to buy the Canadian one, even though it, it's kind of ass backwards. But you know, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, going in a completely different direction. My number two is one that um, I think Higgin, Brian Higgins told us to do on the show, and one that Zom was quite familiar with. Um, and one that was never even on my radar. It's a John Sayles movie from 87 called Mate One. Yeah. Nice. Um, about uh, a labor union organizer in uh, ni- the 1920s. Uh, this is in Kentucky, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Virginia, the- fucker. Oh, that's West Virginia. Which, he knows. which one is the one in? Where Ken- I live. Isn't there one in Kentucky too? There's a there's a I movie. Know one in Kentucky no, is uh, the documentary. That's the documentary. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, about the coal mines and the uh, a, a, a I guess a I guess you could call it a massacre that happened there. The, I mean, they call it the Mate One Massacre, but this it's this was a an eye-opening movie. I really uh-huh. and and I think what helped too. I really really liked uh-huh. are the conversation that Zom and I had on the show about it. Um, just talking about labor organization in general, and it it this it's a terrific movie, and it it really is touching uh-huh. at times, and um, it's it's an important movie. I think uh-huh. this is a good uh, good glimpse into certain part of American history that I think maybe gets right. overlooked quite a bit. So there's actually a, a musician. Uh, what's his name there? Will Oldham. Uh, Bonnie Prince Willie. Yeah, yeah Willie really Oldham is yeah, very he, good. He, he plays the minister. He he's phenomenal in that. I, I, the child child minister. He was great. He was only like fifteen when he did that movie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very oh, good. Very good. Child be like. No, sorry, that's a different day conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're down to the finale. We're going to move to our number ones. I don't have a drum roll, but anyway, Vish, I know you have this one numbered. What is your Number one film scene for the first time in 2012. Oh, this makes me feel like such hipster scum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> makes you feel uh, like loaf? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wax my mustache. Well, it's, I, I went through my list and it, it's the one that I just straight off thought of first. It's the one that I've watched the most again. It's the one I sort of pushed on people to watch or had friends over. And it's Miami Connection. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's on my top thirty at least. And yeah, yeah. 
I it was one of these I had uh, there's a local video shop by me that has sort of old boots and stuff and they've had this they had they had Miami connection up for rent forever because he had like a, a VHS rip and as I I mean for a long time I thought it was um a Sedaris movie just because of the cover and the name Miami connection oh, yeah. it sounds like it should be a Sedaris film and then it was only sort of I was, you know, I was, I was, oh, I'll get to it, I'll rent it. And then it, it sort of became a sort of a film du jour, as it were, because of the draft house chaps. And so I went in, I rented the damn thing, and he was the kind of crappy VHS rip that I first saw. I was like, what, why haven't I seen this yet? What, why? <laughs> and then the two bloody songs that get, get oh, the ninja there, they just yeah, get you, stuck in your head. Yeah, it, I got them on my uh, iPod because draft house, you can download yeah. them from the website for free. I yeah. listen to them all the freaking time. Nice. I've got two, them on the yeah, so then, I mean, I got the Blu-ray, I watched it again, had pe- had friends over, I'm like, you know, my girlfriend has now seen that film twice, she hates me a little bit for it, but, um... <laughs> I would love oh. you for that. <laughs> I, it's like so, I said... It's so sorry. funny sometimes, every time when I get the mail, and I open up the mail, and I'm checking my bills, I open up the envelope, and I say, they found my dad! Guys, I found my father! Yeah, it's... it's they found my father! <laughs> it's like I said. It's kind of weird to say I like this movie now, just because it seems to be like it's like the cool. Oh, this is the cool movie. Like it was in fucking Entertainment Weekly had a story on it. But That's damn cool. it, I I love the movie. It's so ridiculous. It's fun. Well, I hope I hope that movie's a gateway to more stuff like that. And and speaking of which, the Samurai Cop getting the uh, getting, getting the uh, special edition release this uh, the, in, a, in oh, this yeah. month. So yeah, right. God. yeah <laughs> I pre-ordered it, baby. <laughs> Is it just me or doesn't uh, the uh, the guy who plays her brother in Miami Connection? To me, he reminds me of Ben Stiller, like how Ben Stiller, <laughs> how Ben Stiller play play like a total cheesy character with a mustache. You know, like like it's just he reminds me of Ben Stiller, man. Ben Stiller in Dodgeball, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Ben Stiller in Dodgeball, like just a total douche nozzle. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matthew, Tim. Or even heavyweights, his character in heavyweights. That's right. <laughs> Tim, Tim, you're up. What is your favorite movie seen for the first time in 2020? Right. Um, this is my number one, not because it was the best film that I saw, but it for me it was the funnest film that I saw. And that was uh, a little subgenre of uh, kung fu, which I like to refer to as the Crip Fu. And it's a film called The Crippled Masters. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh. <laughs> there was The Crippled Avengers that the Shaws came out with. And then a couple of years later, they came out with a... Uh, there was a film that kind of tried to uh, cash in on the whole Kripfu uh, phenomena. And it was called The Crippled Masters, where they actually had uh, two young fellows. One guy was born with no arms, like a thalidomide baby or whatever. Mm-hmm. The other guy was born with no legs, but goddamn, did they kick copious amounts of ass. Like, <laughs> holy shit, you know? And uh, there's actually three films I can think of. There was The Amazing Mr. No Legs. If you ever get a chance, check that <laughs> one. That one. That's killer. Right, Crippled Avengers and Crippled Masters. I mean, I've watched this fucking thing like 10 or 11 times. Just <laughs> rewind it, play it again, rewind it, play it again. And you know what? When it comes to gangs, man, a lot of people go with the Bloods, but I'm going to hang with the Crips. No, you know what I'm I, was, I wanted to make a Crips reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one making corny jokes around here. Uh. What's really funny about it, though, is like, you know, everybody says, oh, they're exploiting the handicap, right? But no, these guys are basically the prime players, and they're showing yeah. that they can they can hang with anybody else, man. I mean, like these two guys are actually doing a lot of amazing physical shit. There's no wires. Like these guys are really doing what they're doing, right? 
So for anybody that says, you know, well, they're exploiting the handicap, it's like, fuck no, they're getting paid, and actually they're putting these guys in fucking prime roles, so shut the fuck up. I mean, come on, you know? uh, That makes me think of that South Park episode where uh, Jimmy and Timmy try to make their own uh, group for crippled people, and they call it the Crips, and then they find (laughs) out there's a real Crips, so they go down to, like, the ghetto, and they become members of the Crips. (laughs) (laughs) So... This this film is a real litmus test for me between assholes and non-assholes because it's like I, I can put this on and the people are like, oh well they're handicapped and I'm like they can't do that and it's like well why can't they? Look at it, they are doing it exactly. <laughs> That's, I've, always, I've always said it because I've always said that the people that uh, try to shield the handicap that bad are like, oh they're handicapped, you know, they can't do this, can't do it. I'm like you're making it worse for them. Right, right. Yeah. And imagine Especially all the people when support. you when you stick your flat ass right in their face. Yeah. <laughs> imagine all the people sitting in wheelchairs. You know they can't move, and they're thinking, "God, if I could get out of this fucking chair, man, I'd lay such a fucking ass beating on you." And for them to be able to see somebody else who's disabled do it, and they're like, "Fuck yeah, man, I'm being represented." Yeah. You know, awesome. Crips represent, right? <laughs> you know? She ain't got no ass. Oh, yeah, got yeah. a uh, flat ass bitch. It's a real curiosity, but I think it's 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 a it's a film I love, man. It's just nice. you know Yeah. Cool. Justin, you're number one. My number one is Todd Salon's happiness. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> another date movie. Another date movie. Oh yeah. Well, for starters, I referenced this earlier because I watched The Master this morning, and uh, obviously in Happiness, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a really sad sack individual, and there's that really sad masturbation and realistic masturbation scene. Realistic, yeah. <laughs> In the master, he, get, he gets uh, jerked off by Amy Adams. So, uh, in my opinion, that's great career growth to go from masturbation to <laughs> He's getting moving up off. in the world. Can I just uh, tell a quick story about it, Justin? Yeah, go ahead. So I saw the master recently. He was playing here, and in the row in front of me was about six old people. By old, I mean the youngest one looked about seventy something, and they're watching. <laughs> and they're kind of talking to themselves, and like and it's, it's getting very angry, but I can't yell at them because they're old. And then during the hand job scene, the the only <laughs> What's going on? What is she doing? And you can see, like, his friend, and, like, his wife just kind of, like, rolling her eyes a little bit. And just kind of like, oh, God, it's been so long since this happened to you. So, like, <laughs> you can't say anything because he's old. And he's, like, and he's just confused. And, like, what, what is she doing? I don't oh. understand. And you're like, oh, God, That's please. Uh, sorry. Uh, but um, <laughs> no, don't apologize for that. That's great. Uh, probably back about to 30 years since he got a half and half, so he probably forgot about it. <laughs> There's that one classic line in it, isn't there, um, in Happiness, where he say, when he says to his dad, um, do you, you look fuck? at me in this way? Yeah. It, it, it's something along those lines. Anyway, it's a year so since I've seen it. His dad says, no, I just jerk off or something like that. <laughs> yeah. That line. That was that. My jaw dropped to the floor. I'm like, holy! And it's and I've always loved Dylan Baker up to this point, but I've never seen this. So I, I've always heard people saying they can't always look at Dylan Baker in a certain way, and I never understood why. Now I see this yeah. film. Like, there goes that nice guy image I've always had of him. Right. That, well, he was in uh, he was in Trick or Treat. Yeah. The, well, honestly, and, that helped in taking away because I've seen that right. already. But this right. just kind of that makes his role in Trick or Treat even creepier. But right. I mean, in everything in this film with uh, the John Lovitz and the, the ashtray thing, that yeah. know, people get this—the ones that love me for who I am. I mean, it's just in this thing in the first stars. This, the fact that this is two and a half hours, this literally felt like an hour, hour and a half at best. Like I actually, because right. 
because I have VHS copy, and it had the, like the ticker down on my uh, my uh, DVD VHS player. And I remember looking down, and it said like two hours and ten minutes. I'm like, this can't almost be over. Wow. But but I was like, well, yeah, this is holy shit. I've been in this thing for over two hours. Nice. But it's just like it's it's one of those movies that's just I I see what the hype is about because it's just. It, it, it just like and it's funny, but at times it's just like you 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 really don't feel like you should be laughing. Right, right, you're right. so disgusted by what you're laughing at, and <laughs> it's yet it's so brutally. And I think the fact is, it's brutally honest. It's not mm-hmm. pulling right. back on anything, especially with right. the Dylan Baker character, because and just the way that the father reacts to right. when he finds out. It's just and I remember because I because I watched this when I was still living with my roommate, and I remember I had to talk to somebody after seeing this. She just came home a little bit after seeing this, and I'm explaining this whole movie, and then I explained the scene with Dylan Baker where he says I would probably just jerk off a bit. And she just gave me this look, like, "Why the fuck are you telling me this?" Right. There's, a, there's a great message that come out of this film too. You know, always think twice before you let a dog lick your face. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, this fucking and unfortunately, and Todd Swan's made other great films, but unfortunately, Dark Horse is latest one, which just iffy on me. I just it, it didn't wow me. It just mm-hmm. it, it didn't work in that same way of examining an asshole. I guess. But I think the difference is, granted, Dylan Baker's an asshole, but it's not like uh, an asshole. He's just because you know, he's a stuck up idiot. It, he's like it's an examination of a character you. It's shocking to see, as in Dark Horse, right. you're just kind of watching an asshole be an right, asshole. Right. Awesome. Well, Paul, we're to you. What is your number one? Um, my number one is a small film, none of you will ever have heard of. It's um, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Nice. <laughs> little independent movie. I've already uh, messaged you, Paul, about this. I, I, I love you so much for putting on this on your number one, because this is my favorite film. How how did yeah. you how did you watch this movie? That's a, I think that might be oh, a better. Um, I bought the. I have never seen before this a Kubrick movie, and always. Well, when I said not seen them, I'd started Kubrick movies, and this is when I was a lot younger in my teen years, mm-hmm. and never sat through them all. So last year, I thought I'll tell you what. There's a blue. There were a Blu-ray box on sale on Amazon for about twenty-two pound. Um, so and it's in this Blu-ray box, it's got um, Lolita, Barry Lyndon, um, Full Metal Jacket, um, bloody hell, Clockwork Orange, and what have you in it. So and um, eyes wide shut. So I thought, well, I'll pick that up for twenty-two pound, even if I don't, if I only like half of them, I've got myself a bargain. So I, uh, yeah, I just turned the lights off in my front room one night when my kids were in bed or in on my own um, with my lad and. Um, Turn the lights off, put it on, ramp the sound up through through my stereo system and what have you. And um, I, I went the part this, the parts where the box hums, that big black box hums. I, I, my body went numb. <laughs> I, my, my senses went numb. I was just, it was like I, I wasn't in my body. It was it was just a surreal experience. I don't have a fucking clue what the film's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's about life. <laughs> well, it's about life, but the one thing that it touches upon that I like, and it's very, um, it, it speaks volumes today, is obviously with Hal and the fact that that is like you know this the, the great villain on this, but it's because of us we created that. Like in our search for perfection, we create this machine that can cannot deny perfection. So if it, if it sees a flaw, even if it's a person, no matter what, it will take that you know person out. 
Right. And it's all because of us. We can't blame that computer. That is us. Right. And I think right. that's becoming – I think it speaks volumes today of where we're going right. with technology. And Obviously, right. whenever you listen to people blaming technology, especially old people when they come into a grocery store that has a new electronic system and they're all like, these machines don't work and stupid machines. I'm like, well, to be fair, the machine itself is you know just a machine. It's a person's fault for not doing something right. Yeah. But well, – 2001 is a personal film for me because there was a an old movie theater in my hometown, the Capitol Theater, and I I had seen everything from being a kid, like to Disney, to Star Wars, to you know uh, Indiana Jones, like everything. Yep. And now it's a performing arts center, but the last uh, actual films that they ran, it was an all nighter, and they ran it was prints of uh, actual film prints of 2001, Clockwork Orange, and Aliens. Nice. Oh, nice. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and uh, oh, that was that was the last thing I ever saw at that theater. So and that night, the, that's that was magic. Bad. Yeah, I saw so bad to see this on a big screen. I've unfortunately never gotten the chance yet. But yeah. The, yeah. the only problem I was going to say too with re-releasing it on Blu-ray now, I find that it gives away. It's too vivid sometimes. Like 2001. Like for example, in the beginning in Africa. When you saw it in the theater, it was so dark and it was muted that it actually looked like they were on the savannah. But but with the Blu-ray, you can tell it looks like they're in the Museum of, of Modern History or something like that. Like you can tell. It's I see your point. Yeah, yeah. Too crisp. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other film that's really ever had that effect on me, where my senses have gone numb, and I mentioned it earlier. He's a complete head fuck. He's enter the void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's. Yeah. It, it, and and with 2001, it's just it's a film that is, it's kind of like what Drive has actually become for me. It's like it's almost always on my mind. Like I'll randomly think about 2001 now, it's yeah. just out of the blue for no reason. It'll just like right. pop in. It's like it's just got a spot on my brain. Like if you go to those diaphragms, they're like this part of you know this 15 percent of your brain contains energy. You're just like and this one percent is 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2001 too for me. It's kind of a film like uh, another one, like Alejandro Jodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. It's kind of like the Bible, where you can actually watch 2001 at any point in the film and just fall into it. Like it's it, it's linear, but it's also non-linear. Like you yeah. you know you can just fall into it. it. It's it's great. That's one I've never seen. I've never seen any Jodorowsky. Oh. Um, oh, oh, well, well, yeah, I say, well, I say I haven't. I started watching El Topo when I was about. Yep. 16 or 17. Too young. Yeah, too young. Yeah. I turned it off after five minutes. You talk about going numb. You're going to be numb for quite a while after you. That's actually why I've only slowly gotten into Jodorowsky now because I'm thinking about like that great, you know, a perfect age for me. So, or digging me. But then again, I'll admit, I've seen 2001 in like, I guess, not pre teen, but probably like about 15, 16, and it worked on me. So, yeah. All right, moving on. Zach, you're number one. All right, number one. This is in – will, I'll just read here the three categories this goes under on IMDb because it is a comedy, <laughs> musical, sci-fi. Yeah, uh-oh. From Australia. <gasps> I'm oh. talking about 1988's Sons of Steel. I've never, uh, I've never even heard of it. Nobody's <laughs> ever heard of it. No idea what this is. This movie but, is I'm amazing. This Sons stars um, uh, a guy's name is Rob Hartley. He stars as Black Alice. Uh, there was actually a band called Black Alice in Australia, uh, and he is Black Alice. And uh, Black Alice is basically the leader of the resistance in this futuristic world. 
and uh, the somehow or another, it's a very convoluted plot. But there's the Sydney Opera House is going to be blown up, and they send him either back in time or in time. Hard to say. Um, I think it's forward in time, although the synopsis says back in time. Um, and basically, he has to sing songs and inspire people and fix the past and the future to fix the present so the opera house doesn't get blown <laughs> up. And he's a pacifist, of course, uh, but then, you know, once he gets pushed too far, time to break out the guns. And sing some metal songs. I'm, I'm writing this. One, I'm writing this one down. I'm going to have to yeah, check that. Out yeah, this one out. available somewhere. 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 Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, this is available somewhere. Um, Sons of Steel. Sons of Steel. This Very is nice. in the movie that no, when anybody has come over this year and they want to watch a movie, I'm like, Let's Sons watch of Steel. Steel. Nice. Can I come over, Zach? <laughs> yes. Right now. Come on. All right. Awesome. Uh, well, I, got, uh, I can just call off work tomorrow. You know, pick up right. somebody's shift. Hell with that. <laughs> I've right. got plenty of extra rooms. I'll get roommates. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's it It's an incredible movie. It's hilarious. It's stupid. And, and I think the thing that sticks out in my mind most of anything is that he ends every sentence with the word dude. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> And that's pretty much every sentence ends with the word "dude." Nice. Um, it, it's it's just absolutely it's boy, one of the craziest, most awesome, most random mismatch of movies I've ever seen, and I just I love it, and I just Thailand. think it's fabulous. Awesome! And it's, it's an amazing title too, "Sons of Steel." <laughs> Zom, your number one, sir. My number one. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Uh, is god damn son of a bitch fear with Mark Wahlberg, starring right? yeah 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 uh, the Rainer Werner Fassbender movie each monkey's the things he loves. nice uh, Quarrel from 1982 um, I have never had never seen this movie until someone challenged us to watch it. Uh, and you know, when I first watched it, I was like, this movie is so strange, you know, um, Brad Davis, Franco Nero and Jean Marot. And, uh, I watched it and then I watched it again and then I watched it again. (laughs) I've got it on my iPad. I've watched this. This movie is so odd and the way it's shot. And I mean, you know, with, with lines like, and when I pulled my cock out, it was covered with shit. If you want to know, I mean, it's just, I've been there. I don't know, man. This movie is just – well, like I said, when I compiled my list, I – just mostly the top ten. I just thought, okay, what ones – what of these movies, of all the movies that I had on the list, what ones did I watch over more than once? Uh, Which ones did I watch the most and stuff like that? And I have watched this movie I don't know how many times. And it's it's – funny to watch but it's also i mean it's just so different and uh you know i want to i want to seek out some more uh fastbender stuff i've watched uh, american soldier which was it was like this i've watched it a, a bunch of times it's pretty fucking hilarious too and <laughs> just you weird the soul? I, I that's the only two that i've ever seen of his it, uh, right. Quor- Quarrel and american soldier i need to definitely see. watch fair eats the soul and all the gents covered it. it is uh it's a beautiful little film i need to see really that. is worth watching it's amazing the guy had a really short life but he really produced a lot 
in uh, in the short time that he was he was around. Yeah, he certainly was an interesting fucking dude. And he lived hard. He lived hard and basically uh, played hard too. Akora, apparently. Yeah. Very hard. All right, we're down to the last number one. My favorite movie scene for the first time in 2012 uh, was another one we done on the show. Um, it was yes, starring yeah. yeah um, <laughs> this has uh, Bo Hopkins. This has Cindy Williams. This has Wolfman Jack. Yeah. This has Ron Howard and Richard Dreyfus. This is 1973's George Lucas's American Graffiti. Yeah. Um, nope. Oh, and Harrison Ford. Yes, Harrison Ford when he first appears with that. It was a what? A skull hanging from his rearview mirror. That that fucking car. Man, oh my god. I fucking I love this movie. Doing that. This. Um, I can say. Uh, pretty securely that Days of Confused is one of my favorites and this movie totally it fits in that same same genre and I, for all the reasons I like Days of Confused I, I really really liked this movie um, the soundtrack is phenomenal we talked about it a lot on the show so I won't have to go over it a lot here but this movie just regardless of what, when you grew up this movie would span generations it's, it's that kind of film it's like it, it's not locked in the fifties or sixties. It's 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 about kids, and it's just it's done so well. And just um, never watch more American Graffiti. Yeah, I, I was gonna just, say I saw yeah. that in the theater, and it just it was it, oh, yeah. awesome. It'll awesome. just ruin the taste of the first movie. Yeah, <laughs> well, I guess I guess I have to watch it then. More American Graffiti. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you Justin, you watch it. Nobody else do. Okay. Awesome. Young Suzanne Cumbers. Well, that is it for our list. So um, I thank you, all of you, for uh, joining us tonight. What about our? Uh, oh yeah, do we want to do 20? honorable mentions? Do we want to talk about any? No, extra no, no. Stuff? I just want to do twenty through twenty and thirty now. Let's oh just, yeah, let's, let's do it. Going. Oh, let's go six another, hour like, show. Eight Fuck you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, let's do this. Damn, I'm gonna get blood clots in my legs here. <laughs> so um, I'll ask. Uh, well, I'll go back down the line. Um, Vishnu, are there any other movies outside of your top ten that you wanted to mention that you really liked seeing for the first time? Uh, Peeping Tom. Yeah, My Bloody Valentine, the original. Uh, Don't Torture a Duckling, because it's got Mrs. Barbara Boucher getting very naked. Wow. Um, the trio of uh, Big Doll House, uh, Women in Cages, and Big Bird Cage. Nice. I'd never seen those three. Good Lord, then. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> without going, yeah, that's top of my head, those, those are the ones. Cool. Cool. Tim? Um, Skidoo, Otto Preminger. Oh, Fucking yeah. bizarre film, man. I, they, Groucho Marx playing God and Jackie Gleason on acid. It's pretty fucking bizarre. What is that one? Skidoo. Skidoo. Auto That's a great it's movie. A really fucking bizarre film. Everybody's in it. Cesar Romero and Frank Gorshin. Nice. And, uh, yeah, everybody. Sure. Oh, yeah. And Carol Channing is in a bikini. It makes you almost want to puke. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Damn it. Uh, Target. Target's Peter Bogdanovich. Boris Karloff. No. Yes. That's another good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Seventh Curse. This is an insane little Hong Kong film you got to see sometime with Chow Yun Fat. It's, you know, I love Boxers Omen. One of my favorite fucking films oh, of all time. Man. If you love Boxers, you got to see The Seventh Curse, man. It's maybe, the same we'll, kind maybe we'll do these next week on the show. We'll do Boxers Omen and Seventh Curse next week on the show. Hey, or hey. the week after, yeah. You just uh, well, the God movies. I think I have seen the seventh curse. curse. I have seen Seventh Curse. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. It's a crazy and, uh, fucking movie. Oh yeah, totally, man, totally. And the last one I was going to say was uh, 
Black Gestapo. That's yes. such a great fun one <laughs> to watch. I watched that this year and had fun. It will there. get people right. banned from the GGTMC. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, his name from Court? Uh, Mac. Uh, Charles, uh, oh, what the hell is his name now? But he's the guy who plays the lead guy in the Black Gestapo, man. But that film was so bad, but it's great. It's like they, you know, they basically paid everybody in bologna sandwiches and King Cobra malt liquor, you know. But it looks nice. like it was shot on a price camera, but it was great. I love that film. Cool. Uh, Justin, what do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, I'll go with a few. Uh, the Dragon Painter, this is from, I think, like 1919. It was a mm-hmm. silent film that showed up uh, on TCM. Uh it's basically it's been out of print a while. They just got the prints together. It's uh, a quick like sixty minute movie about a uh, an artist who loses his wife in, in despair. He becomes this fantastic artist because he has all this you know anger and angst that goes on the screen. Well, when he finally finds love, he loses his touch. So his wife ends up killing herself so he can uh, paint again. And it's just his torment in dealing with oh, that. Wow. Um, another one to go with is. Dream Deceivers, the story behind James Vance versus Judas Priest. This was about a 15-minute documentary that I was turned on to. Uh, James Vance uh, grew up in a Christian-type family, and he started listening to Judas Priest. And when he and his friend shot themselves in the face with a shotgun, he survived. And he ended up blaming Judas Priest, saying that there were satanic messages. Yet Priest proved in court that if you play their music backwards, you can hear anything. Like I think at one point they heard something that said "bake me a cake" or something. That uh, so it pretty much disproved that. That's why I keep baking cakes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so it's it's an interesting little documentary. Uh, another one, War Dogs, which I'm hoping I will be covering with the gents sometime on their show. Cool. Just a great fucking action flick. Um, Miami Connection, which you talked about earlier. Dark Days, a documentary that talks about um, from early 2000 about a, uh, a group of homeless people living under the subway in New York and they make these like little out of all these boxes and they make this little like community like these housing like a housing community and they even get um, like they can like hook up cable and some electricity just from like the situations and, and it's it's really interesting and of course then obviously this the state came uh, the state came down on which I thought was bullshit because they weren't hurting anybody but it's an interesting doc and uh, DJ Shadow soundtrack right uh, I think so, yeah. Solid soundtrack. Um, anything else? Uh, Calamity Snake, something I covered with uh, Jake McLarchuge on uh, podcast for the humanity. Uh, it's this crazy like kung fu movie where this they're building a uh, like a new hotel over like a burial ground where a curse has been put upon it with all these snakes. And the snakes end up, you know, coming back and killing people. Now, as amazing as this is to watch people, like, doing kung fu against snakes and watch all this crazy action, the only thing that hurts it is the fact that they actually hurt snakes for real and, like, uh-huh. killed them. And so yeah. kind of makes you feel a little uncomfortable. But, I mean, it's still good shit, so. Yeah. Cool. Paul, you got any um, honorable mentions? We yeah, are, we've already heard a lot of yours on the on your voicemail. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just run off a few. I'll sure. take um, Il Devo, um, the Paolo Sorrentino mm-hmm. movie from a few years back. It looks at the um, corrupt side of the Italian politics. It's a brilliant movie, so it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, another one, oh, this is one off a list of shame, Night of the Hunter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I It's a... Um, Beautiful little story, really well told, was, really well shot. The only one that was ever directed by Charles Lawton. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they did an amazing job. And then I'll 
throw in um, Torso. Nice. Yeah, I watched that for the first time. Sure, too. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's um, brutal. If I I was to go for one more, I'd say... um, Let me see. I've got my list in front of me here. Streets of Fire. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that, too, for the first time this year. Rick Moranis is such a dick in it, but he's so (laughs) good at being a dick. (laughs) Emily just gets wet every time she watches Streets of Fire. (laughs) Wait, she just popped on Skype. Call her up. (laughs) Man, I don't know why, but, I mean, you know, uh, what's his name? It should have been so much more, man. I mean, uh, Cody. Yeah, Blake, uh, Blake should have gone so much. He, I, she should have gone so further, man. After that, I mean, it was. Dude, he was in Blood Rain, Third Rank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did that one movie with Amanda Seyfried. Gone, and the only reason I don't watch it outside of kind of because I like look at her is because he's in it, and I heard it's garbage. But I'm like, but it's got Perret. <laughs> I felt I felt really bad because if you have you guys ever seen Postal? No. Yeah, I've seen Postal. Okay, you Uwe Boll. He's in Postal when he's playing a Guido. And he's, and he's actually like, hey, give me a fucking dollar, all right? And I'm like, oh, God, man. Like, yeah. I felt so for the guy. It was just, yeah, oh. yeah. All right, Zach, you got any honorable mentions you want to add in? Um, I have one that I, I was going to put on this list, and we've already mentioned it, but I, I couldn't determine when it was really released, whether it was 2011, 2012. But, uh, <laughs> it was, but The Innkeepers, I love that movie. Okay. I thought it was great. Um, the only other one I would like to mention is a documentary called uh, Her Master's Voice. Is that the uh, puppet one on Netflix Instant? Yes, it is. Okay, that's um, been my cue, and I kind of want to watch it. But it's, uh, it's a documentary about uh, her name's Nina Conti. She's the daughter of uh, 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 Help Me Out, Conti. Conti, 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 Tony Conti. At any rate, she's a ventriloquist. She's hilarious, and basically, her, her the guy who taught her ventriloquism dies, and so she brings all his puppets to America to go to where you lay puppets to rest in Kentucky. Um, and, uh, oh, it's you, can, a, you mean Sammy's backyard? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, it's, it's called, I want to say it's called Vent Haven is the place. Um, and I would love to go there and take pictures to scare Emily West. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it's a really good documentary and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I enjoyed it cause I, I, she's either clearly insane or completely hilarious and I don't know which. Nice. Maybe a mix of both. Yeah. Man, and, uh, yeah. Zom, any honorable mentions? Uh, I have, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mad, uh, Matahari agent H21 1964 with Jean Moreau. I really liked it. Uh, I, like her uh burn uh with marlon brando 1969 seen the movie walker with ed harris watch this one uh because brando's awesome as usual but this it's also a good story good movie um uh this one's a 2011 indie uh movie called rid of me it was on netflix instant watch Uh, i'm not sure if it is now but it's pretty pretty good i I liked it i thought it was pretty good um her uh her uh Period blood, her all of her blood are on yeah. the woman's face. It's good stuff. Yes, awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, another 2011. I have a couple 2011s here, uh, which is the the Turin Horse, which is a goddamn black and white bleak movie. It's so goddamn bleak that it's uh, kind of awesome and yeah, I've visually got it in mind awesome. Um, the Veteran, 2011. Uh, this is with the guy that uh, Jesus Christ, I can't remember what his name is. He was in. Uh, 
Oh god damn it! Fuck it, forget forget it. Now the what? The guy that uh, uh, the fucking uh, the, <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it Guy Ritchie? Where they have the the guy that's like the gangster? Daddy was a bank robber. He never did hurt nobody. Whatever. Uh, the, uh, whatever. Uh, I can't remember what the fuck the name of that goddamn movie was. It's uh, Toby something. Is the guy's name? McGuire. Yeah, Toby Maguire. Uh, uh, Toby Cabell. Uh, so anyway, it's really good. The Veteran. Uh, it's on Netflix since I watched two. And the last one I have is At Midnight, I Take Your Soul. 1964. Uh, my hero, Coffin Joe. Toby was. Toby Keith. Toby Keith. Cool. Continue. Let's see. I'll, I'll do. I'll go over some ones that are probably should have been on my list of shame. Uh, well, first of all, I'll say Universal Soldier Regeneration is this honorable mention, definitely. Um, Strozek. <laughs> what the hell? Um, Man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, nice. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Stewart. Love love the Jimmy Stewart. Um, let's see. Lolita. I had never seen. I saw that for the first time this year. Um, Chinatown. Jack Nicholson. I never. Oh I, yeah. That's one I started, never finished, but uh, finally finished that one. Uh, the Taking of Pelham One Two Three. Walter Matthau was awesome. And uh, North by Northwest. Never seen that one either, and I uh, finally watched it right around Christmas, so right around the end of the year. So. Very nice. That's Very the, nice. That Very that's nice. that's the big show. Uh, That's it. Uh, wow. Longest silver and gold episode. We're close. The the Jake one with uh with uh uh the Arnold with the uh, Sly movie with the fucking what's the name of that guy? Demolition Man. Demolition and, uh, Man. That, yeah, this that one still might be longer, but I think we're shy, ten minutes shy of four hours, man. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, gents, I appreciate all of you coming on tonight and uh, sharing that with us. And um, let's see. But I don't do. think, uh, Vish or Tim, if you have anything to plug, I don't know if you guys... I do shit, man. Right. I do. <laughs> uh, well, I do. Let's, uh, I, I'd like to plug Justin. There you go. Let's say, Justin, yeah. Justin <laughs> like, you have a new show coming up, so what do what you want to tell everybody about that? Uh, new show. It's called uh, Justin Rolter's Film Rave, basically taking the weekly article I had on the freaking awesome network and converting it into a podcast, because kill two birds with one stone yeah. uh, my first official episode will be recorded this week it'll be my top 30 films of 2012 there so i'm excited cool paul do you have anything to plug oh and i guess i um, should say we get that at oh. shouldn't i um, oh itunes or uh we can get it on itunes it sh- should be based on freaking awesome network.com but i think uh i think it's filmrave.libson.com is the uh Very if nice. you don't have itunes paul yeah uh, this isn't for me. This is for uh, James Lawrence, um, uh, the other mank um, on the who, who's in the groups. He's doing. Uh, this is mainly aimed at UK um, listeners, m- more specifically based in the Northwest. He's managed to get hold of a copy, thanks to the very generous Mike Malloy of um, Mike Malloy's Euro Crime documentary. Nice. And James nice. works. For, um, for a community cinema called A Small Cinema. And on June the 1st, he's screening it alongside two other um, Euro Prime movies. I think one of them's The Italian Connection. I don't, I can't Ooh. remember what the other one is. Um, so the, the Euro Crime documentary is going to play in the middle of these two. It's £8 a ticket for free movies, nice. um, which is absolutely dirt cheap. There's a bar there, there's food there. So if any listeners, 
want to meet up with some like-minded people and see some really great Euro crime. And in, like I said, in particular, Mike Malloy's Euro crime um, documentary. This is only the second time it's going to be played in the UK. Will have been played in the UK. James was fortunate enough to see it at Fright Fest down in London um, last year, and he really enjoyed it. And that's why he got in contact with Mike about it. So, nice. yeah, if you're um, in the northwest, or you can make it from a bit further afield, and you're based in the UK, then come and, along to it. And where can they get information about it? Um, James has got a page on Facebook called a, "It's called Blazing Magnum Screenings." Okay. So if you search that on Facebook, that it's got a link to where you can buy the tickets from and what have you. Um, on there. <coughs> Excellent. Oh, and there's a page called A Small Cinema. And that that that's a place that's shown it, so they'll have all the information on there as well. Very nice. And uh, let's see, uh, Zach, do you, what, you, you know, plug your adventures. Sure. Um, the Lightning Bugs Lair at thelightningbugslayer dot com. It's uh, Black History Month, so I'm doing Black History <laughs> movies. Um, so you know, not the Black Legion though. Uh, <laughs> the Black Legion. The Black Legion. Uh, let's see. What I'd like else? to watch Black Six. Um, <laughs> Pretty soon, I won't tip off the topic, but pretty soon you should get your eyes on the new Paris Cinema magazine. I'm going to have a cover story in that, so check that out when it comes up pretty soon. Paracinema.net. Paracinema.net. I'm sure they're getting that ready to go to press pretty shortly. Uh, other than that, you know, look out for T.L. Bugs audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, T.L. Yeah. Bugs bedtime stories. Right. I'll, I'll start. Now. You know, I'll start reading this. Uh, uh, you know, I'll start with the novelization of Zardos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Are yes. you going to uh, be reviewing Foxtrap for your Black the History Month? Or is that going to be saved for later? <laughs> uh, pro- uh, if I can get around to it, yeah. I want, I want to do like maybe a. I got a, the copy, so I'm thinking, man, if you recommend it, I'm like, uh, Black Devil Doll from Hell. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. no. <laughs> Cool, and uh, I don't have to go through our pleasantries because uh, everybody knows where we have millions of fans. We don't need plugging, so um, thank you once again, at one and all, for joining us. And um, wait, we have millions of fans. Well, you know, millions, tens, same thing. Um, well, if I call in with a million pers- personas, that counts, right? It does. We We're counting it. We're going the with it. Bucks, millions and millions. Oh yeah. Of fans. God. I just go um, into all the uh, the Macs at the Apple Store and set you guys to subscribe. You know, <laughs> yeah. there you go, and there you go. Cool. Uh, thank you again, all, for uh, joining us tonight. And uh, until next time, this is you're all gonna say it with me, Loaf Oot. This is Oot. Clusterfuck out. <laughs> uh, bye, guys. Bye. I gotta eat shit, bathe, and go to work. work.